everybody, welcome to Back in Tunes. Jacob, my regular co-host, is going to be sitting out this episode. Uh, so one of our guests that has done a few episodes with us, Andrew, is going to be a guest this week. We're going to discuss two movies, uh, the 20th anniversary of Space Jam and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But before we begin, how about some trailers? Everybody loves trailers. <laughs> going to the beauty parlor, darling. But I'm leaving you with your favorite friend, Roger. He's going to take very, very good care of you. Because if he doesn't, he's going back to the science lab. Defense. Warner Brothers presents Jordan. 
Welcome to Back in Tunes. Uh, like I said in the intro, uh, Jacob is sitting this one out. We have a returning guest who uh, probably pa- waited patiently while uh, this episode came together. We're supposed to do this during the summer, and it's now October. Find ourselves discussing Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Space Jam with Andrew. Welcome back, Andrew. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Uh, great. I'm finally glad that we uh, got this out of the way. Uh, I, during the summer, my internet connection's great. There's uh, plenty of people available, so I find myself overwhelmed in the schedule, so it got pushed back. Um, if you have listened to the show before, me and Andrew have been doing a kind of series where we discuss a lot of the cartoons from the early of Cartoon Network. Um, we'll get back to that eventually, but for right now, we're sidestepping uh, into these two movies. And um, I can't remember, did I suggest this or did you suggest this? I know we had talked about uh, Roger Rabbit uh, being something we discussed, and then I kind of uh, threw in Space Jam just because you know, there, there are talks of, of a Space Jam 2 coming out, you know, LeBron James and everything like that. So I think uh, I just want to revisit it a little bit, too. And, of course, you know, uh, the nostalgia factor of animation meets live action is kind of pretty cool. You know, rarely done, but, you know, in these movies, um, well, Roger Rabbit especially done really well. You know, Space Jam, maybe not so much, but um, just kind of those, those types of, of films to look back on and, and reflect on. Yeah, it's also the 20th anniversary of Space Jam. Oh my god, I'm so old. I didn't have like, at least yeah. years. <laughs> um, so before Roger Rabbit, uh, when they would combine live action with animation, it was kind of a disconnect. They never really crossed over with each other. You'd kind of see, like, there's, there's a famous animation bit with, I want to say it's Bing Crosby dancing with Tom and Jerry. Um, and then there was Mr. Limpets, where it would combine a little bit. And um, Song of the South. But it was always, like, clearly there was no interaction, really. You know, they couldn't really in a touch. With the way Roger Rabbit changed everything was the special effects guys worked them more to move the props uh, and design it with the animation in mind so that everything worked really well. Even today, after seeing this movie probably 50 times, I'm still like, how did they do that? What did they use to make that, you know, I don't know how they did everything. And I'm pretty good at, you know, figuring out special effects. Yeah, it, it's a really cool, cool effects-wise uh, as far as the movie you, you see certain things uh, in the movie, like especially I believe when Roger Rabbit uh, kind of goes crazy uh, and, you know, goes, goes haywire and starts, like, bouncing off the walls and stuff, how things move and, and uh, get torn down. And, you know, I think there's another uh, scene where he's breaking the plates on his head, like real plates yeah. he's breaking over his head, and it's, it looks amazing. The sequence where they're washing, where he's washing the dishes, and you see the handcuff move around, yeah. and there's the bubbles flying out. You're just like, and he, he even sprays water out of his mouth, which had to have been like a little mm-hmm. hose put up, and then they had to draw all over that because it's astounding how well the that stuff was pre CGI. Yeah, and their whole interaction between uh, him and uh, the private eye—I uh, forget his name and the, and the the character's name, you know. Oh, but and, uh, and the and whole he, interaction they have—they have. They have how did I forget this? Yeah. I just watched the damn Ooh, movie. Please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so the whole interaction and their dynamic and relationship, they're they're together so often, especially the whole handcuff scene. Like it like, you know, a good bit of the movie, uh, they're handcuffed together and, and you see still uh, the way that, you know, Roger Rabbit jerks and, and his arms jerking that way as well. Just the timing is is, is impeccable with it and 
uh, it's, it's very impressive. I remember, uh, you know, of course, I watched it so many times as a kid, but as I grew older and began to appreciate certain things like that, I, I'm sitting there sometimes, like you said, you know, dumbfounded, like, man, like, that's that's really perfect. How do they, how do, they do that? Yeah, and even with the Blu-ray coming out a few years ago, remember how excited we were when it was coming out on Blu-ray? We were like, oh, my God, I'm oh. going to get this now. <laughs> you would think that with the yeah, I remember see the scenes, you know, in the animation. And no, it's still, it's so well done that you cannot see the tricks. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's a very well done. And then the, the story is, is really unique to the the whole uh, tunes versus real world. And, and it, it's it's funny because it, it's its own like sub world, you know, tunes coming into the, into the uh, the real world and things like that, and and taking over little little uh, cities, little boroughs, and I think the the nightclub scene was was a really good example of you know people going and paying money to go watch tunes and and shows and things like that, which was a really cool cool dynamic for that to that film. Yeah, it's a, a subtle metaphor for races. Uh, you know, the tunes are treated yeah. like third class citizens, and they're separated in their own little town, and and the uh, the law officials treat them like they're dirt. Uh, it, it took me a long time to really get that. Yeah, and and I, even you know your main character Eddie, the, the private eye, he's you know he doesn't like tunes. You know, obviously for obvious reasons, the whole uh, tune killed his brother kind of thing. But he's already you know has this this bad uh, attitude towards them. And when he gets hired on to to start doing this thing with Roger Rabbit, you know, and kind of reluctantly doing it. Uh, for money and things like that, uh, you see the really good dynamic of stars that changing. Um, where it kind of it definitely resembles some racism and you know maybe an animationism if you want to call it that. But yeah, it, it you definitely see that. You know the movie Forty Eight Hours. If you look at the parallel lines in that to Roger Rabbit, there's a lot of similarities. Oh yeah. Uh, the book written by Gary K. Wolf is actually quite a bit different. Um, if I remember correctly, it does not focus on cartoons. It focuses on comic strip. And as the second one came out, I think we lined it with the movie. There's a trilogy. Most people only know about the first one. It's called Who Censored Roger Rabbit? Uh, second one is Who Plugged Roger Rabbit, which came out in 1991. And the final chapter of the trilogy came out a couple years ago called Who Whacked Roger Rabbit? I have not read any of these. I started to read the first one, and uh, I just never got back. Have you ever read any of the books? No, and unfortunately none of the books. Just, you know, totally, total movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny yeah. when you, I usually do not read the book version unless they really screw it up. Um, so we're like, oh, it's nothing like the book whatsoever. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll read the book. And you find out it's like, oh, well, they just changed like two names and, you know, cut out this long monologue. That's the only difference. That's why you're bitching. <laughs> I could have saved myself a month. <laughs> yeah. And usually, you know, I've, I've read, a, I've read books first and, you know, before the movies come out, you know, the most more uh, recent one, you know, Watchmen. I, I really enjoyed the the graphic novel of Watchmen. You know, read it before the movie came out and things like that. And uh, of course, some some differences like you know between that. You know, they say the book's always greater um, than the movies, so I have to agree for the most part. You get to spend more time with the characters. I think that's what it is. Um, but we have so much media now that it's hard to stop and take the time to. Re I don't know how many people read like all these Harry Potter books. I'm like, hold on, you know they're out on film, right? You just rent it. <laughs> Yeah, well, of course, there's, you know, it's always better, like you said, uh, you spend more time with the characters. I remember reading, you know, No Country for Old Men and thinking that was such an amazing book and then seeing the, the movie, which is a great movie. But, you know, you definitely see a little more difference with the characters and how in depth you get to really kind of peek inside their thoughts and minds and everything like that. So, but yeah, I mean, that, those are definitely 
instances and where books, you know, just kind of blow some movies out of the water. Yeah, and I think this is one of the very few animated movies based on a novel. Most of them are kind of created in-house, uh, especially the Disney World. They really like to create their stuff in-house or take it from public domain stuff so they don't have to pay anybody for the rights. Um, so uh, with this, Robert Zemeckis worked for years trying to get this going, and uh, the success of Back to the Future uh, allowed him to take the time and the studio to trust him with this much money. I think it, I believe it cost $50 million with a huge, that's like $250 million in our today's money. Um, and it works out because yeah. most big budget experimental movies end up kind of a disaster. They focus more on the technical than story. Yeah. And, you know, you, you got to think you probably paid a pretty, pretty penny to have both uh, Mickey Mouse and Roger Rabbit and you know, a couple scenes at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. You do get every major character that existed at the time of this movie. Um, you still get the wacky version of Daffy Duck back when he was insane, before he was like kind of the lecherous uh, slime ball that he would be in the 50s. Uh, you got Woody Woodpecker, um, Osco, uh, no, I'm saying the name right, uh, Oswald the rabbit and of course Mick and Bugs Bunny and stuff like that so they had to have existed before like 1945 in order for this movie um, but I can't imagine what the negotiations were with all of these companies to get all the characters yeah and it's the, really the, the only time you really see these these you know characters these cornerstones of these huge companies kind of in scenes together with the different things so I remember being you know younger and seeing both of them on the same kind of screen at the same time it was like ah well that, that's kind of kind of odd but um, yeah, you get so many characters, uh, you know, Betty Boop's in it, she makes a, a really small cameo in it, and, and a couple other, you know, especially as they go into uh, to the Toontown or the uh, cartoon world, you see a couple more uh, animation, you know, favorites in there, too. The um, the one problem with the show Bonkers, not a lot of people know this, but originally it was set up to be a T version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but the studios could not negotiate uh, the rights to all the characters, so that's why I got switched over to Bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the animation is done by Richard Williams. Uh, most people don't know who he is. He's not a household name, even though Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you know, was kind of one of those big showcases. After this, he focused on trying to get in the Cobbler made. Uh, there's three different versions of this movie, which took decades to finish. Um, he would take side jobs doing animation in order to get it done. When it finally came out, Miramax chopped it up, dumped it as Arabian Nights. Have you ever seen this movie? I have not seen Arabian Nights, unfortunately. Yeah, it's one of those things that you always kind of saw in VHS, and you're like, eh, what is Arabian Nights? I don't remember that being out at all. Um, it's supposed <laughs> to be a huge production. changed everything over and over. The voice cast, the editing, the timing, cut out cues. So his masterpiece is actually destroyed here in America, but you can find it overseas in its full-length version. Now, uh, what else I think he was known for was... Um, he did the Pink Panther uh, opening animation for quite a few Pink Panther movies. He did Raggedy Ann and Andy movie. He also did um, something else in here that caught my eye. Oh, uh, What's New Pussycat? I don't know if you've ever seen that, but he did the animated opening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so kind of a, if you know animation, he's kind of like one of those cult figures, but he never broke out into the, um, around this time did, like John Kay from Renancy and stuff like that. Guy's trying to bring back old style animation. A new mm -hmm. Yeah, and you see some of the animation on here. Um, I mean, you know, going hand in hand with fitting the animation into the motions and everything like that, it's just impeccable. Uh, you, you see that throughout the whole movie, and, and it's, it's kind of, you know, a little, little bit of a shame that, you know, they chopped up something like Arabian Nights, but, um, you know, to see something else, see something with that live action, you know, with the animation as, as well done as it was, it's kind of a little shocking to, to see that nothing else was really done majorly. Yeah, 
if you look at animation throughout the 80s, a lot of it was garbage. A lot of it was done over... But Richard Williams wanted to bring back the old style, uh, the old Warner Brothers way of making... Um, this combined with uh, the revitalization with um, Little Mermaid. What is the one? Uh, I want to say it's something and company. What's the one with the dogs? Oliver and Company. Oliver and Company. You know, those were kind of kicking the pants to animation, getting people to notice it again. And if it hadn't been for the, those movies, I think animation right now would still be like underground, low budget, cheap garbage. <laughs> um, it was Eddie Valiant. How do, how do I forget? Eddie Valiant. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. Eddie Valiant was what? What was that? Oh, it's Bob Hoskins' character. It was Eddie Valiant. I was, I was trying to say Eddie, and I could not remember oh. his last name. I feel like a fool because I couldn't remember that. Uh, prior to Bob Hoskins, um, Harrison Ford was offered, Bill Murray, Eddie Murphy, all turned it down. Uh, and then they chose Bob Hoskins, and he was not well-known in America whatsoever. He had a small hit movie with uh, Mona Lisa, and he owns this role. I, I cannot imagine anybody else in this performance. Yeah, th those names you, you listed off, there's no way that they pull off uh... – his performance i mean he's kind of especially at the end there you know being being mostly serious the whole movie and then kind of uh, goofing it up at the end there as the uh, cartoon uh, characters are like dying laughing at kind of his his little performance there skate at the end was was pretty crazy but uh it, it's always pretty funny to, to see someone um like him you know meet part serious actor and at the end uh there it's, it's yeah, besides him, uh, you know, Christopher Lloyd is significant to this movie as the, uh, you don't know it at first, but you get the feeling that he's the villain. And he goes completely nuts at the end. I mean, he's supposed to, but I'm still to this day shocked at how over the top he goes. Yeah, I, I don't know if you remember, I mean, obviously we're Facebook friends, but a couple of years, maybe years ago, uh, my son had on some glasses with the eyes popping out and I kind of on the caption said, oh, this kind of reminds me of Roger Rabbit, you know, <laughs> his eyes are popping out and he's going to go crazy. Like, you remember me, Eddie, when I killed your brother, and, you know, he's just <laughs> over the top. Um, you know, Christopher Lloyd does, does a really good job in, in being the villain as well. Kind of the same thing uh, where the role is really serious. You know, he's, he's kind of a, a, uh, I don't know, I guess you'd say a mercenary hired, you know, to kind of put these tunes in the dip and things like that. And, really serious until the end when he gets steamrolled and then huh, turns out he's a tune yeah when he does that thing when he's being squashed and he's like oh, 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 like wiggling all back and forth the first time i saw that i was like what is going on did he just choose to be like the worst actor in the world all of a sudden and then you get it a second later yeah and it's funny as a kid you know that that scene initially when i first seen it, it was kind of hard to watch because someone like someone's getting steamrolled like what what's going on here, you know, and they're actually kind of showing most of it, but, um, you know, when, when he, after he's done and he kind of pops up, uh, and he's, you know, using the helium to kind of blow himself back up. I, I think that's, you're like, Oh, okay. I see what's going on now. <laughs> the, uh, the one breakout from all this is Charlie Fleischer, who was kind of one of those guys that would do stand up, like really odd, eccentric stand up, And he would appear like on a, like a TV show. I think he's in Hill street blues for a small arc and like a couple like things like taxi and stuff like that. But Charlie Fleischer became like so tied with Roger Rabbit. Whenever I see him, that's the only thing I think of, and he just nails them. Mm. Yeah, it, it's it's really done great. The uh, stutters of him, and and uh, I actually just a couple weeks ago went to uh, to Disneyland and rode the ride, and you know listened to a couple of the voices again, and um, kind of brought back a couple of memories as far as the, the movie itself, because you go through the ride, and you know he shows up and pops up every every so often, and and. Uh, you know, you hear the voices and stuff, and 
it's like, wow, like that's, that's, you know, you recognize it. And it's, it's, it's awesome just to hear such a great voice actor for the role. Uh, prior to Charlie Fleischer, Paul Rubens had actually auditioned for Roger Rabbit. And this is before um, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So he wasn't a household name yet. This is when they started doing preliminary tests. Um, and this is when Robert Zemeckis was actually let go because they didn't successful director. This is before Back to the Future. Um, so they fired him. They were looking for another director. But they had, for a brief moment, Paul Rubens as, as Roger Rabbit. And I just don't know if that would have worked. Yeah, it, it, I don't think he would have gotten... You know, as much range as you might what, might have with with uh, with Rubens. I mean, he does have that like kind of weird like <laughs> kind, of, kind of thing going on. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> that actually hurt but that's kind of it. You know, that's kind of the only thing. Yeah, so that's kind of the only thing really that he's got going for for the character. But you know, um, I think there's a there's a point where. Uh, you know, Roger Rabbit kind of pleading with Eddie, like, to take the case. And he's like, you know, Eddie, please, you know, and that, that kind of range and things like that to do that. You know, definitely Rubens would not be able to kind of pull something like that off. Yeah, it, it takes a lot of heart, but also kind of a demented twist to it in order to throw yourself into that role. And um, they, they chose the right person. Now, here's something interesting I was looking at is that they're talking about doing a 3D version of this. Do you think that it would work or they should leave it alone? Um, it's really hard to, to think about it. I mean, it, it'll always be nice to see, you know, what kind of effects they can throw into something like 3D. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of 3D to begin with. I think there's only been like a couple of movies where I've, I, I've watched in 3D and thought, you know, okay, it's not too bad. But for the most part, in my opinion, 3D takes away so much from the, uh, from the story and the, the plots of the film, um, any films really, but I think something like this, you know, you kind of sneak it in, you know, not for it to be kind of overwhelmed with 3D, but, you know, the scenes in the bar where, you know, he's he's uh, he's drinking the scotch and, he, you know, he's kind of flying anywhere would be some, some pretty good scenes with that in. And, of course, you know, think about how trippy it would be if you were to, to have some 3D going when the uh, the cartoon world is kind of introduced, when they kind of drive it through the tunnel and, and see all that crazy craziness in there. Yeah. Uh, there has not been a sequel to this, which stuns me. Um, Disney was in dire straits at the time that they made the The fact that they didn't go bankrupt stuns me. Um, they had just a couple minor hits of like the great uh, mouse detective and stuff like that. But $58 million from a company that had lost their butts on Black Cauldron and Tron and other movies around this time. But it ended up being a massive hit, made $329 million, yet no sequel. No sequel, and I've, I've always wondered why. Disney's not really particular in doing sequels, but they do a lot of those direct-to-video ones. Yeah, and, you know, you, you kind of, I mean, it, maybe it's a gift and a curse, but you're kind of glad, you know, certain um, hits, you know, just for a couple, you know, Anchorman, of course, first one was awesome, second one, not so much, but, <laughs> you know, maybe we got saved from, from doing something, seeing something that kind of uh, ruins some films and, um, you know, Maybe, you know, it, it stands alone in, in time as, as such an awesome, masterful film. And, you know, to, to bring a second one out and have it not be as, as great might, might hurt its, uh, its uh, kind of reputation there. Tarnish its legacy. There was a CGI yeah. test done, I think, about 15 years ago. But they said it just didn't look right. The animation wasn't good enough. So they did beyond that. There are other books, but maybe this is as books. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer in kind of like I said, tarnished legacy kind of things where you don't want that to happen to some of your, you know, your favorite movies. You know, maybe I'm a little sore, but Anchorman, of course, is, is one of mine. You just leave it alone. Yeah. 
guys. Did you see Zoolander 2? Holy shit. It's not like the first one was a no. perfect movie, but I sat there in like the first 20 minutes going, oh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Everybody's sweating the joke so bad. <laughs> and you're like, you should not have made a sequel. Don't do it. Yeah, that's probably another one. I, I actually have not. So from what I hear, I should not. Yeah, <laughs> Which yeah, we'll but... probably leave it at that. You know, I that's definitely one of one of the uh, bigger, yeah, one of the bigger uh, ones that I like, you know. So uh, that brings us to the end. Is there anything else you want to say about Roger Rabbit before we switch over to Space Jam? Uh, no. I mean, I think everything was said. Great movie. Uh, awesome. Don't bring back a sequel. <laughs> but, yeah, awesome movie. All right. So with Space Jam, I don't think Space Jam would be possible without the success of Roger Rabbit. But also you have to take heed to those commercials that McDonald's was doing with Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny that were quite popular. Do you recall these commercials before the film came out? I remember seeing a couple and of course, you know, McDonald's being the big uh, promo giant that it is, you know, having, you know, special edition cups and, and Happy Meal things, uh, of course, you know, bring the kids in. Uh, I do remember some of those things. But uh, yeah, the, you know, I think there was a, uh, there's a while there when, you know, a, a Bugs Bunny, uh, you know, sports jacket was kind of the in thing yeah. <laughs> to be wearing. They always had like the radical versions of all the characters. I remember Taz being a phenomenon during early 90s and Marvin the Martian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But before that, I feel like Bugs Bunny was starting to fade away from like uh, the, the the kids' culture. Uh, it was kind of you, you know synonymous with everything that I grew up with because it was always playing on Saturday morning. But I feel like by the '90s, it was starting to be taken over by other popular characters, and they were starting to fade away in popularity. So it's almost necessary that Space Jam came out and, and revitalized that world. Yeah, and you know it's at a time where um, you know certain things like that you, you wouldn't think go together. Uh, you know, basketball and uh, and the Looney Tunes kind of nod mix, but uh, it definitely did wonders for, you know, a lot of people. I mean, many people to this day still, you know, think of Space Jam and, you know, think of, of, of it, especially with, with uh, it coming out as possibly, you know, having a, a sequel with LeBron James. You know, you think about that and the original one and think, man, you know, kind of one of the nods to a, a childhood uh, for anybody really is that's watched that film. This, um, I saw this on the big screen, and I got to tell you, it was just like, with a full audience, it's amazing. Watching at home, not as amazing. I still like it, but I don't like it as much as I did when I first saw it. Yeah, when, you know, going back and watching it, you, you of course, realize, like, you know, Michael Jordan is not the uh, the best actor <laughs> <that he could laughs> no. be on a film. Um, and not just that, but, you know, unfortunately, the rest of the NBA players, you know, Muggsy Bogues, uh, Patrick Ewing, Char Charles Barkley, of course, uh, Sean Bradley, they you know, not the best of actors either. Um, so, you know, you, you see it when you're older and you're like, ah, you know, it's kind of cheesy, kind of corny. But, of course, you know, seeing it as a kid, you think, wow, this is this is amazing. This is awesome, you know. And, and uh, definitely, from my memory, it was a, a great film um, when I was a kid. And just to see that dynamic. And, and, of course, another, you know, animation type of meets real world type of movie. Um, you get mystified by some of the special effects. Yeah, the um, this is right when basketball went from being like kind of a second tier, third tier. In the 80s, it was baseball, football, basketball. And I feel like around 1990, 91, all of a sudden basketball came number one. And everybody knew who everybody was. It's like, oh, like every team had two or three players that were household names. Baseball cards were selling like crazy. Everybody had Nike air pumps and Reebok pumps. And everybody was just talking about basketball. You know, Shaquille O'Neal broke out with blue chips. And then you got Space Jam right at the pinnacle of when basketball was at its like p most popular. Yeah, and it's it's a really great film. You know, even for people who 
who are casual fans of basketball, maybe seeing, you know, those players in the film and, you know, those, those people, those other basketball players that I kind of named off, um, you know, not too many people would know who a Sean Bradley is if you're not a basketball fan, but, you know, kind of introducing this person into a film and seeing like, oh, you know, he's one of the taller uh, athletes in basketball and kind of getting, getting a little bit more uh, people, more people kind of into basketball and, and kind of like a little cool introduction to, to it for people. Yeah. It's surprising that after Space Jam, there wasn't other sports. Like, they didn't do, like, space ball, you know, do some baseball or uh, hockey or something like that. But I guess Mighty Ducks kind of owned the hockey one. Yeah. Quack. 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 <laughs> Flying B. Yeah. Another another great sports movie. But, yeah, I mean, Space Jam, you know, you definitely could see them going and, and doing every other sport, it seems like, under under the sun with, with Looney Tunes and some other players, you know, some star players from that. Um, I think that the cool thing about Space Jam 2 is, you know, it kind of uh, reaches that little bit of real life uh, scenario as well. You know, in the movie, Michael Jordan's not playing basketball anymore. You know, that kind of transitioned to him doing baseball and, and giving that a shot for a couple of years. Um, kind of, you know, doing a little bit of a backstory and that kind of where it merges with, with real life. Yeah, there's a weird phenomenon during the 90s having uh... – People play dual sports. We had Bo Jackson doing baseball and football, and we had uh, Deion Sanders with football and um, was it football and baseball? Deion Sanders baseball as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. Then, you know Michael Jordan. He didn't do them at the same time, but going from basketball to baseball, and I think everybody scratched their head like, "Hold on, you're the number one player in the world. You're making all this money. You're gonna do what?" <laughs> and that was, you know, I've I, I read before. You know, it's a personal issue when his dad passed. It's something that his dad had kind of always wanted him to to do so i think that's that's something that brought on most of that and you know who's to say you know the best player in basketball you've won all these championships you know go out and and get yourself a new challenge you know get yeah. yourself something else to work hard for and, and try to achieve with you know unfortunately you know wasn't as great as basketball but you know commend the guy for trying and and you know trying to challenge himself a little bit with with uh, his life and wanting to do something that was going to give him a challenge, you know, basketball, obviously, you know, he's considered the the greatest basketball player of all time, you know, maybe it came easy to him, so. Yeah, I get bored with stuff, once I start to conquer something, I'm like, well, this is boring now, I want to go do something else, so I get where he's coming from, plus he was honoring his father's memory, but I think also, I think we were harder on him uh, than we should have been, we didn't treat him like a normal person, it's, we, we should have known better that he wasn't going to master, master baseball immediately. Well, you know, maybe give him some time, but I think we're so hard, so critical that he bailed after what, like a year and a half, maybe. I'm not even sure. Made uh, two was, years. Yeah, I don't think it was two years quite. Um, I think he, for the most part, stayed in uh, in the minor league team um, for the White Sox. Um, I, I mean, I can I could have to double check, but I'm not even sure if he has any significant time on on the major on a major field. You know. In the majors, I'm pretty sure he never made it. To the, but uh, that, that's actually a significant part of this story. You know, he's down on his luck. He's uh, in a weird place where baseball is not working out for him. He's no longer the greatest. And then the Looney Tunes come to him and ask him for help to save them from an alien race that has stolen the powers of all these great basketball players. Yeah, these basketball players being, you know, some of his friends as well. So, um, you know, kind of takes it upon himself to to help out. Um, reluctantly even though you know he doesn't play basketball anymore but you know help out and trying to uh to help get his friends back these powers not only that but you know who, who wants to see uh, the looney tunes in a in an alien world where they're just uh you know sought out for entertainment yeah basically being enslaved for uh it's like gladiator games but with looney tune characters <laughs> yeah the uh director joe pitka 
Now, I'm going to say one of the major problems with this movie isn't so much that the athletes can't act. I think it's Joe Pitka's uh, inability to carry a film. He's known for doing a ton of commercials. He did those animated commercials for McDonald's, but I don't think he's meant for your film uh, kind of storytelling. So that's one part. I think the story starts to wind down about three quarters of the way. Kind of like, this is only 88 minutes, and I'm already just kind of like, let's wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, I think with the addition of, uh, of um, a couple you know, cameos in there is, is always nice. Uh, Bill Murray doing uh, doing a little bit of a cameo there was kind of a, a little bit of a relief as far as that, some comedic relief. Uh, and uh, who knew he can play some basketball? Yeah, I love when he's like, oh, I don't play offense. No, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, the part of the end is pretty funny too when, you know, he's sitting in the rafters and <laughs> he's sitting there thinking, you know, that could have been me. <laughs> that scene kind of always makes me laugh. And um, just to see him kind of provide that, you know, subtle kind of comic relief. Um, it's all, I mean, yeah. you can't say enough about Bill Murray and anything. And Wayne Knight's quite funny. Uh, I think kind of underrated. I think most people just treat him like, oh, he's just that guy from Seinfeld. But that guy works his butt off. He's always reliable. Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, he has a couple different roles that he can do, you know, from something like Seinfeld and, and Space Jam to... Jurassic Park and just having having a lot of versatility being an actor. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen Rat Race. So funny now. Yeah, yeah, Rat Race. All right, so on the animation front, uh, voice work we have uh, Billy West, who everybody knows from Futurama, and Ren and Stimpy. Um, Maurice Lamarche, who I think his most well-known character is Picking the Brain. Uh, what are we gonna do today, Brain? <laughs> Wait, no, that's hold on. I did that imitation wrong. Zolk, what we got to do today, yeah. Brian? <laughs> and then he's like, we'll be The doing same everything. thing we do every day. Yeah. Uh, then we have June Foray, who has been with Warner Brothers. I cannot believe she's still alive. She's like 99 years old. But um, she is known significantly for doing the and uh, a lot of the female characters in the Warner Brothers world. And uh, mm -hmm. Frank Walker, who is in every cartoon ever made. Um, if you were to play a drinking game to our show, Frank Walker. <laughs> Finally, we have Danny DeVito, whose voice work cannot be... Um, uh, underplayed because he is so significant in this and so many other uh what hercules he did hercules right hercules yeah and, he did yeah and uh the dr seuss one all of a sudden I, the lorax which is probably my favorite performance mm. yeah and he's he did uh of course he was the main you know alien boss kind of guy and uh he, it's one of those voices where you hear it and you know it's him you know and but still you know being able to 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 go from actor to voice actors you know a pretty big challenge and he you know is able to do that you know, pretty pretty well in this in this film and a couple others that he's done. Uh, so I remember this coming out at Christmas '96, and um, he came out up against Jingle All the Way and Star Trek: First Contact, and it did okay. But I think it was significant challenge for it to get above its budget. So that could be part of the reason why it's taken us so long to even talk about a Space Jam. Um, but I do know that it probably helped get Looney Tunes back in action. Now, have you seen that one, the one with Brendan Fraser? Yeah, Brendan Fraser, uh, Steve Martin is in it. Uh, I've, I've seen that movie, definitely. Yeah, I think that one's actually better than Space Jam, but not a lot of people saw it because it came out the same damn day as Elf. <laughs> what were they thinking? <laughs> it's owned by the same company! Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty, uh, pretty wicked uh, time to come out, especially with something like Elf. I mean, everybody can can think of that film and that film kind of stands on top of and i get people you know at target still looking for it when you know christmas time comes around yeah no one's asking for looney tunes back in action they're a bunch of cotton-headed ninny muggins because that movie's good 
<laughs> yeah, and you know that, that story-wise, you know, and acting-wise is just you know a little bit better. You know, you don't have uh, NBA players trying to act in that one. No, and I think Joe Dante really understood Warner Brothers. Um, and he kind of wrote as a love letter to the history of that world. So it dives into what you could call mythology of Looney Tunes a lot better than Space Jam was. But Space Jam is kind of more of an introductory kind of thing to kids who have never experienced. Yeah, and it, you, like I said, you know, kind of molding those two worlds together, basketball and Looney Tunes, is not something that you know can be. You know, it's not something every day that you see, and you know, fans of you know the NBA, you know, kind of getting sucked into the Looney Tune world, and and vice versa, and. Kind of you know creating new fans off off of uh, both of them. Yeah, this is one of those movies that merch was everywhere. Was tons of games, oh, yeah. for it. there were toys. Uh, seemed like T-shirts were the most significant. I swear I couldn't go like a minute without seeing the shirt. Uh, either the characters were playing <laughs> basketball, or it was always like the the Looney uh, Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan's face like next to it. And I'm like, this movie's not gonna go away. Yeah, the, and those two, you know, you know, you see them everywhere uh, during that time on the merch and. Uh, it's kind of a little little nod to the throwback. I don't know, you know, this year, this last year of basketball. I think the All Star Game was, the you know the uh, uniforms kind of resembled the uh, uniforms from Space Jam. You know, the the uh, white kind of plain, huh. um, in numbers, uh, solid blue and white. Uh, and then I think on the other end it was uh, black and white, which of course you don't see in the movie. But uh, it's kind of, in my opinion, it looked very similar to them. So. Uh, kind of a little nod to to that as well, even even you know as soon as last year. Now, besides the merch, the one thing, the most significant thing that comes in this movie that, in a way, was more successful than the film itself was the soundtrack, uh, six times <laughs> platinum. I think the only song I remember from this really is "I Believe I Can Fly," which, wow, that thing was massive. Yeah, that was a huge, a huge song um, for for that movie. I mean, you know. You, that's that's what you take away from that movie is that song yeah um so I, I think we're coming to the end of this episode i say check out space jam because it does take what roger rabbit tried to do technically and escalates it to a new level i think the animation is absolutely fantastic the story is okay uh acting uh yeah, like you said it has its ups and downs <laughs> um but it's great yeah, seeing the definitely. characters in a modern era yeah and and even seeing that the animation the you know exchanges between you know, Michael Jordan and, and Bugs Bunny. You know, I think there's a couple instances where Bugs Bunny kisses him, and uh, you know, kind of kind of pretty cool to see that interaction with the two, and something that's technically not there, um, you know, filming wise to, to reaction uh, from someone who's, who's real life is really cool. Yeah, I really thought that they were going to have the sequel out for the anniversary. You know, they talked about LeBron James being attached to Space Jam Two, and nothing's happened, and I was kind of bummed. Yeah, that's kind of you know where it's at. You know, he's he's attached to it. You got to think with the NBA season coming out. You know, if they didn't, which I don't think they did. Uh, you know, any filming, it's, it's going to be a long uh, season, NBA season. So, I have to wait on it a little more. Yep, and animation takes a while. So even if they shoot it next summer, it probably won't be out till twenty eight. We'll see if it happens, or we're just going to have to deal with the fact that there's just this one film. Um, you can find this film everywhere, and Roger Rabbit you can find everywhere. So go hunt these movies out; they're totally worth your time. I I would say Roger Rabbit is actually uh, the better of the two. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> but that's about it. Um, the other single from this movie that was actually a decent hit is going to close out our episode. But before we go, uh, check us out on Facebook under Back in Tunes. You can find every episode of our show there. And um, hopefully it won't take as long for you and I to do our next Cartoon Network episode. Um, I was thinking Samurai Jack may be doing a little bit more of the action stuff from that era. 
Yeah, I mean, I've I've actually gone back and watched uh, a good amount of Samurai Jack. Uh, my my son's into it now, so thank you, Michael. <laughs> All right, I approve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so everybody, be excellent to each other and hit them high, hit them low. I told you about. You heard of the dream team? Well, we're the mean team. We're the monsters. Greeting, Earthlings. We have now taken over your radio. I just realized how many people are in this song. This is crazy. Be Real, Coolio, Method Man, L.O. Yeah, Cool J, and Buster Rhymes. Half the movie's budget must have gone into getting those guys. <laughs> yeah, you, you notice Be Real like right off the bat, you know, you know, psycho realm type of uh, uh, sound to it, you know, especially when he starts rapping. So kind of kind of funny to hear all of them on there. <laughs> I was a huge Cypress Hill fan, man. I, I listen to this stuff all the time. By the way, he has a new band, I think, with... Uh, the guys from Rage Against the Machine and Chuck D from Public Enemy, Prophets of Rage or something like that? Uh, yeah. yeah. But let's go back to the song and everybody, you have a good night. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones, they're a modern Stone Age family. Stone Age family. From the town of Bedrock, they're a place right out of history. Let's ride with the family down the street, through the car to see a Flintstone feet. When you're with the Flintstones, have a yabba dabba dabba Welcome to back into this episode discussing the Flintstones and the Jetsons. You just heard the Flintstones, which was a, a weird version of a James Collier. But uh, before we really kick into the episode, my co-host Jacob, let's listen to Jetsons. Michael, how about you? Wait, should I go with that Barney or newer Barney? Oh, hey there, Michael. How you doing there, buddy? <laughs> I don't think that sounded like any of them. We're terrible at this sometimes. Uh, I don't know what that first one was. Is it the from the pilot when Barney's voice was completely different? Yes, that's exactly what it was. It was just a little bit more like kind of old New York gangster, see? <laughs> Something like that. That's that's what I that's what I got from it. Well, I think it's funny when you watch shows in the very beginning, uh, live action or animated. Um, sometimes you see like things that were there that 
completely erased within like a few episodes. Like, do you remember on Happy Days, Richie Cunningham had another brother, and all of a sudden he's just not there anymore after the first season because he was useless. Oh my god! You know, I ne- I don't even remember Richie having a brother. Yeah. I mean, I remember the Mork episode. I remember Fonzie jumping over the bus. These were on like late at night. I saw reruns. Yeah. But and also they did the same thing with Dragon Ball Z. Um, you know, Vegeta and Goku and Pickle. They, all the main characters had like pretty awesome voices. But then, like later on, as kind of Funimation took over, they got you know they brought in a whole new slew of voice actors, and one guy practically played like four different characters. It was ridiculous. <laughs> That's the way it is. A lot of anime. I was like, hey, this is the same guy from the last episode yeah. doing a guest voice. Um, but, but when yeah. it comes to Kazoo, did they ever change? Did they ever change Kazoo? Was it always Harvey Corman? Um, it, I'm not actually sure about that. I know in the movies, of course, it was played by um, uh, Alan, Alan Cumming. Cumming. Yeah. Um, but I have to look that up. I never actually thought about that. You know, what's funny is um, I didn't realize this show was on for so long. For an animated show, this is pretty epic back in the day. Usually you got maybe three or four seasons at best. Actually, that still stands as animation today. Uh, the fact that Simpsons and oh, Family Guy are still going, it makes it seem like in your head like cartoons are supposed to go for decades, but they're not. Um, but going back to 1960 when this launched and it ended in 66, that was that must have been like a record-breaking run for its time. Oh, definitely. And, of course, the way it depicted, you know, Stone Age, you know, man and dinosaur, just, like, kind of, like, mixing it all in with, like, you know, normal life during that decade. You know, everybody just using their, you know, using their feet to steer their cars, to, like, you know, power their cars around. Oh, which must be so it seems like it would work. You're just like, oh, sweet God, ice them, I just ice them down, they're so raw. I know, seriously, like, how they aren't raw, I don't know. They must have, like, hobbit-like feet. I mean, they were, you know, cavemen, so yeah. they must have had durable and... Stronger skin. Really, really callous <laughs> on the bottom. Like, uh, who's Peter Jackson? Probably has feet like that now. <laughs> probably. Gosh, his his feet have become hobbit-like, minus the hair. I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of hair on there. Evolution. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to know. <laughs> uh, Aha! Yes. Uh, All those so, oils. <laughs> so I watched this, um, and and no, uh, and, and if you're a regular listener of the show, mostly shows we haven't actually watched like a ton of. I watched it when it was originally on. But here's the weird thing is. I remember more of the spinoffs, the the stuff that came after the original series. So going back to the first series kind of gave me a refresher. I was like, oh, that's right. These are the roots of where the sh- where all those spinoffs came from. Yeah. Me, personally, I did watch some of the original episodes. They were all, um, like I said, they were reruns. They were on like, late at night sometimes. And then there were some spinoffs later about Bam Bam and uh, Pebbles all grown up. Yeah, I remember that. That's you know, the first one I think I ever watched. And then I feel like, and I, I, I could look, I could cheat right now and look this up on the internet. But um, I'm trying to remember. There was one where I swear it was like Shmoo. Shmoo was like teamed up with Fred and Barney, and they did like mysterious sort times. Am I completely wrong on that? I'm not sure. The little white I can't recall. No, I can't recall. I can recall Kazoo. No, no, Guzzoo. God, why did I say it? God damn. Guzzoo. <laughs> Not Kazoo. He's not a musical fucking instrument. He'd probably blow the planet up just for pronouncing his name wrong. But, yeah, honestly, you look at him in the cartoon, I remember him, like, wanting to blow the Earth up, but then, you know, meeting Fred and Barney, he's like, ah, oh, fuck it. Whatever. Shmoo's here to rock. Yeah. Um, but when I, I'm looking oh. here. Okay, so I'm cheating. I, I, I inevitably. Uh, so after the TV series, and these are the spinoffs I just want to talk about real quick. A Man Called Flintstone was spoof of the James Bond movies, which everybody's doing a spoof of James Bond series at this time. I have not seen this week. Um, I guess I didn't realize it existed until now. Um, I, have you ever seen it? No, I think one of the spinoff movies I saw for Flintstones was not the, not only the Justins and uh, Flintstones duo, 
but also the uh, Christmas Carol one. Yeah, I've had, I've, I've seen both of those. I had, and I remember the day I found it at a Goodwill, a copy of the Jetsons on VHS, and I was like, rejoice! <laughs> <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, there were two different intros for this cartoon, right? Um, I remember there just being an instrumental, and then there was the classic one with the lyrics. Uh, you know, I didn't notice. I know the Jetsons one, uh, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, right. You know, it's funny thing is we were going to do this episode for months. I suggested this back in, like, August. So I watched a bunch of the episodes then, but I did not watch them now. I started watching Jetsons. So I'm going to say uh, I'm going to plead ignorance on this. I have alternative facts to the actual theme song. (laughs) (laughs) You did not just use that fucking term. (laughs) We did. I can't believe that even exists. (laughs) What the hell is going on? Oh, God, I know. I don't know, but Gazoo, if Gazoo were to blow it up, I wouldn't blame him. He's like, I'm doing you a favor. Trust me, everyone. All right, so here's the spinoffs real quick. Uh, the Pebbles and Bam Bam show. That must have been when they were... T- and I could have swore that was much later. Uh, I must have seen it reruns as a child. Uh, Flintstone Comedy Hour. Uh, and then Fred and Barney and I think uh, a few others took play, uh, part of the movie All-Star Laugh Olympics, which we are totally into doing. Oh, wow. Time. I love that show. Uh, Fred Flintstone Laugh-a-lip. and Friends, which is just like edits of all this together. Uh, the new Fred and Barney show, I have zero memory of this. I have absolutely zero memory of this. Fred and Barney meet the thing. What? Huh? What? Um, as in, like, Ben Grimm the thing? I, I, from I'm Fantastic gonna, I'm Four? Gonna I'm gonna click on it right now and find out, because either it, was, it, had, it must have been like a combo show, because, well, the thing, I guess he was bedrock and have gone back in time. I don't know. Speaking of, while we're waiting for things to work, um, I actually watched the new Fantastic Four movie, and I did not hate it. I couldn't hate it either. I just thought it was a little slow-paced, but it wasn't so terrible. I But overall, I'm like, eh, I could see your point, but damn. I embraced the science more than it did the superhero, and I actually found it entertaining, though I'm getting sick of looking at Doctor Doom's face. I did feel like the last half hour was the real, like, let's go, and then it's over. Shit, we ran out of money. <laughs> time yeah that happens like i said a uh, casting though i will say this about the casting it, it, it was great casting you know michael b jordan i thought being uh human torch definitely had that you know bravado cockiness that you know johnny storm had yeah and then of course but yeah and they're plus they, they were all in like the early 30s miles teller i like the way he played off reed richards kind of the rebellious guy wanting to run away from everything until you know ben Grimm finally knocked him out and brought him back you know, I definitely, I definitely took that one serious, more seriously than Michael Chiklis. Oh, my God. Crunchy Peanut Butter Man. He did not look like the thing. Uh, speaking of the thing, okay, back to what we were talking about before. Okay, yeah. so Fred and Barney and the thing were not together in the actual episode. It was just a combination show. They did a ton of this back then when I was a little kid. I remember this. Is, oh, wow. It would be an hour and a half show. And you'd have the first thing be like the hook, you know, the popular show. And then they would try to sell you other shows or repackage other shows in it. So it'd be a 90-minute show, but you're only really getting a half-hour fresh content. But, you know, kids, they cycle things so fast that they don't even notice. So this was actually a combination of the new Fred and Barney show and the thing just you know, cut together. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, the old Fantastic Four cartoon was pretty fun to watch. Although, you know, it being like 60s animation, you know. I couldn't really get into it because I was young, and I, I liked all the new stuff from the 90s. Well, there's like that the, stupid Fantastic Four theme song. It's like 79 or 80 is when they did the other Fantastic Four and then took the Human Torch out and replaced them with Herbie the robot. Oh, God, yeah, that's right, because you're telling me that you know kids would encourage themselves to be light themselves on fire so they could be like Human Torch. I'm like, do you really think kids are that stupid? What the hell? 
Shmoo was this white glob, um, but just a big white glob, which I believe is from. Uh, mm, I hate it when I get like this when I can't remember. It's from that show we, uh, the Sword and Sorcery show, set in the future, but it looked like it was set in the past. Um. Oh. Son of a God. Fan, we did it two years ago. I know we did. I know we discussed this. Uh. It started with a K. Did it start no, with a K? No. Not call the conqueror. Uh, <laughs> Shmoo. No, oh God, no. Yeah, he was like a. He was like an. Oh, we didn't do Herculoid. I think it was Herculoid. I'm thinking of some other show. No, wait, no, it wasn't Herculoid. No, no, was I it, think Shmoo was, was from Herculoid. Okay, uh, hold on a second. Okay, so it says it's from the little Abner. So clearly, I am on a whole different track. So I'm going the to fuck? my pie hole and move on. Oh wait, 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 time out. What you got? You got what was it? What? A, what? No, no, no. What is the cartoon that we were thinking of? I, I the futuristic remember. one. It's not Herculoids. We did it three years ago, and it was that it was sword sorcery, but set in the future. So it was like it looked a little prehistoric. It kind of looked like that movie, um, Your or whatever it is. Uh, no, I'm gonna look this shit up. I, it's it's fucking killing me. I need to do this now. Hold on. Um. Uh. Okay. So it's, uh, we we discovered what it was. Sorry, everybody. We had to walk away because this was it, the show was imploding on itself. Uh, it was Thunder. Yeah. We did Thunder two years ago, and I, I can't believe I didn't remember that. That's bonkers. I know, and it's a classic. You're the one who actually, you actually loved that one. I know, and yet, there are uh, these moments, and I'm really starting to think that the age is starting to set in. I, I am 40 years old, oh my god, my bones, my boners. Don't say that, hey, oh, no, oh, come on now. Girl. Don't say that, oh. Come on, is it me to say that that makes me upset? Back in my day, I had 80 friends come over and draw cartoons and run past me really, really fast and made it look like animation. All oh, yeah, did you also, uh, in, and instead of going online, you did lines. <laughs> White lines. White lines. Vicious dreams of passion. Uh, do you and? think the Flintstones ever could have discovered that any of that at all? <laughs> like, well, not cocaine, because it's chemically processed, but weed? Oh, yeah. Barney <laughs> looked always high. Oh my god, that explains everything now. Because I always wondered, Betty didn't seem that stupid, but she'd married a real dope. But maybe it's because he was on dope, and he had the dope. Hmm, I'm trying to think. As far as it goes for Betty marrying Barney, I don't know, he's just a Barney. big... I guess he was stupid. Oh, yes, yes, what do you What do you need, Fred? Oh, <laughs> oh god, you th do you think this was like kind of based off the Honeymooners, the relationship between Barney and uh, Fred? You're joking, right? This That's... Kind of the thing about this show is that it is. <laughs> it's a it's a rhetorical question. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it's weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely there. I can't. You know, if it was now, you know, they would have sued. They would have. Oh, so would have sued. War, uh, Hanna Barbera actually did a few times here and there where they would pick something that was like a popular TV show or a movie, their version of it. Hell, they even ripped off themselves because they did so many derivatives <laughs> of Scooby Doo later. Um, it, it just is embarrassing. Um, this is before Hanna Barbera kind of started phoning in just for a buck. Uh, this is during like the right. pinnacle. Like they had just come out of doing the animated um, for a theatrical release, bigger budget, and then he, they found a whole way of processing animation, of course, for much lower price. And yes, it's very stilted, but I still think the animation looks beautiful. Um, very simple, clean uh, UPA style. You know the um, the retro futuristic kind of look. Um, that's not the word I'm looking for because that's in Jetsons. It's um. Uh, modern age, I guess just modern age style, and it's very clean, concise lines, and that kind of went up until about Sidu and um, Hong Kong Fui. Those are like their last great cartoon uh, during that era, and then like for a decade, shit, 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 and then all of a sudden in the 90s, hey, we're going to do like Pirates of Blackwater, and you're like, yeah! Oh, hell yeah. And then they did Pirates of Blackwater, they brought back Johnny Quest, 
it brought back SWAT cats. Which, other, which other one do you think? Yeah, SWAT cats. Oh, I freaking love SWAT cats. And then, oh, didn't they have something else? Uh, well, I know that they're responsible for basically relaunching everything that was on Cartoon Network. You know, besides reruns, they were there at the very beginning of original production. And, of course, you know, by then they were in their 80s. They decided to retire. But mm. their legacy is so long from Tom and Jerry straight up. And, and it was best that they walked away from Tom That's and Jerry. That's right. You can only do Tom and Jerry kids. Yeah, you can only do Tom and Jerry for so long before you run out of ideas or bored. So it's a good thing that they started more shows for television. So many great characters. Right. Oggy Doggy and Doggy Daddy. Um, exit, stage left. You know, Snagglepuss. Um, Heavens to Murgatroyd. <laughs> oh. uh, Speedy. Out. Speedy the Buggy. Uh, shit. Oh, uh, Quick Draw McGraw. I forgot about she, uh, Quick Draw McGraw. Quick on the draw, like the horse oh. never draw from the cartoon. Boom, shalak, like, boom, boom, shalak. There's my cartoon. Oh, yeah, Fang like, Face, <laughs> and uh, there was also Fang Face and uh, Jabberjaw. Yeah, uh, you like Jabberjaw. I wasn't one. Um, back to the Flintstones. Uh, this, of course, yeah. most of these uh, Flintstones spinoffs are when they were just scraping the bottom. They're doing, like, Gilligan's Island, shit like that. Well, actually, they didn't do Gilligan's Planet. That was filmmade. But that was, that's what was going on during oh, this yeah. time. It's like, oh, we, we have a known property. Let's do a cartoon about Fonzie and Laverne and Shirley. What? Fuck you. Give me something real. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, man. No, we don't need to do that. But well, out of think... all the things to do, Gilligan's yeah. Planet. Well, I think, I think the big thing that really hurt Hanna-Barbera was losing Caesar. You know, when they went off to do their own company, uh, that's when Hanna-Barbera started to crumble. But we're spreading the talent out. And, of course, you do have filmation. Doing basically, I mean, they had a couple great ones like Bravestar and He-Man. But other than that, oh, uh, yeah. pretty bad. Oh, I, you know, I mean, you may not have liked it, but I liked also the Ghostbusters. And also, with um, what I wanted to mention about Hanna-Barbera with uh, Snagglepuss and Gazoo, I always thought, I always thought that they were... I always thought that they were gay. And heck, even Saturday Night Live, uh, back in 2008, uh, when, um, oh gosh, Proposition 8 was passed, and then Saturday Night Live criticized it, Bobby Moynihan and Will Forte were on a weekend update. Bobby Moynihan was a uh, snagglepuss, uh, d- you, know, you know, going against Prop 8, and his, uh, and his boyfriend was Gazoo. <laughs> Uh, Played by Will Forte. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if it was kind of either poking fun at uh, being a feminine. Because um, you have to remember, these cartoons are of a certain era, which apparently somebody in charge of this country wants to take us back to, which is bullshit. Uh, when it was uh, white straight men in charge, and you got to make fun of women. I mean, there's a lot of sexism leaking through both Flintstones and the Jetsons. Good. Um, not really homophobia, because that, was, that wasn't talked about. But there is a slight thing with Kazoo. Um, but, you know, they're of their time, so you kind of have to forgive them with that. You know, that's what they did with the uh, Warner Brothers cartoon. There are certain things in there that would be considered controversial today, but not back then. And Whoopi Goldberg comes in and says, these are just a product of their time. If we erase this, then we can't remember how we, did, you know, like, did the bad thing. Precisely. I mean, shit, I know. Oh, God. Especially with, uh, oh, no, wait. Actually, no, I never really saw anything wrong with the Batman animated series. Of course, that was the 90s, so, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was much more uh, progressive. Um, but, yeah, like I said, these are other era. Um, but this show, the original show, is still infinitely better than a lot of these spinoffs. I tried to watch them. Like, I loved them as a kid, but I can't watch them now. And I, I don't even remember this. The Flintstone comedy show, I got nothing. The Flintstone funnies, I got nothing. The Flintstone kids, no, I remember that. I used to watch the crap out of that show. Oh, yeah, when they were all, like, little kid. Oh, my God, I think I'm. it's just coming back to me now. 
Yeah, Fred, Barney, and uh, Wilma, and Betty. And even, wasn't Dino even a, uh, a little baby? Yeah. A pup? I remember he was a little puppy. Oh, my God. Um, and I... I remember Fred had one tooth. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, of course, Bam Bam Pebbles cannot be part of this. Getting creepy. Uh, it's like a... she traveled back. Like she... What's that? <laughs> She's a baby. That... She has a baby with special powers, and she travels back in time and meets her parents. Yeah. And they were in... stop you! No! It's like Back to the Future, but with the Flintstones. <laughs> um, you know, Barney and uh, Wilma almost get married. You know, and Betty doesn't even exist in the picture. It's like, you know, all of a sudden you see, like, Fred and or, uh, Pebbles and Bam Bam, their picture fading. No! <laughs> they play Johnny B. Oh, my God. <laughs> Johnny B. Wood. You know, he's just a wood and... guy. He's a wicker man! And please. Kazoo... <laughs> oh my god, burn him alive! And Kazoo's <laughs> taken over the world in the future, in the alternate future. A flashpoint has occurred. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on this Nicolas Cage kick recently, so I apologize for the wicker man card, but he's seriously underrated. We love Nicolas Cage. Um, I would love to see, like, the Flintstones relaunch with him as... I think you could play that out. He would be a crazy... He would be a crazy-ass alien. You know what I think they should do with Nicolas Cage? They should bring back. I think that they are gonna go forward with an animated movie of the death of uh, Superman Lives. You know that um, the, that Nicolas Cage movie where he was supposed to be Superman? Yeah, yeah. The Tim Burton Nicolas Cage movie. It might come back as an animated movie. I wouldn't be too surprised. I mean, I might give it a shot. I wouldn't consider myself. But, a but who knows? I've more myself more of a guy who just like with capes and ties. I happen to do good things. Yeah. I honestly think he could have played. Who knows? He probably could have played the psychology of uh, Clark Kent pretty well and Superman. Yeah. Plus, they were going with the whole '90s mullet one. We'll yeah, have to wait and see. Part. We'll have to wait and see. Um, television <laughs> specials out the wazoo or the kazoo, I should say. Uh, the Flintstones Christmas, of course. You and I were talking about that earlier. That's actually a pretty well-known special. Uh, Little Big League, I yeah. never heard of. The Flintstones meet Rockula and Frankenstone. Now, from a different perspective, there is a movie called Rockula. About ten years after this, I don't know if you've ever seen Rockula. It's good and it's awful at the same time. It's just, it's majestic and it's awkward. Um, kind of like The Room by Tommy Wiseau. Uh, yes, but better quality. Um, this is weird though. There's a sequence where they get Rockula. He's supposed to be like a heavy metal guy. He performs a rap yeah. song when you've ever seen. But somehow they convince BB King, who is part of Rockula's band, to dress in a giant bee costume. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and then finally, I think like around early 90s, since I, you know, growing up with a cartoon, uh, they finally released the live action version. They made a live action right. film yeah. of it with John Goodman and of course Rick Moranis as Barney. Oh my god. What did you what did you think of it when like when it first came out? Uh, I thought it was a mess. I still don't really care for the first movie. Um I'm going to say something that no one's ever said in their life, but I like the sequel way more than I the first one. Uh, John Goodman is perfect for this. Rick Moranis is okay. I'm not particularly certain he's the right person to cast. Um, I can't remember. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, shit, she, you know, she was in Big. Um, Perkins. Elizabeth Perkins was fine as Wilma. I really didn't yes. understand the Rosie O'Donnell thing. Uh, this was an era where everybody decided to cast her in everything. It was supposed to be like, I guess, hot. And I got nothing against women. If I don't it. know. If you're into curvy women, more power to you. But I didn't really get the yeah, fact but... that, you know, Betty was supposed to be, like, the hottie, you know? Uh, I mean, that's why they refer to her in Encino Man as, you know, a Betty, a hot girl with a Betty. Um, I didn't get her in Stakeout 2, uh, another Stakeout. And, of course, there's Exit Eden, where they decide to put Dan Aykroyd and Andre. Where, where... <laughs> I know. That was, some, that was some fucking weird shit. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not I don't know, sure but yeah. 
that the Betty um, and uh, Barney, I felt like was miscast. I think they got it right in the sequel. Um, as much as you know, Stankman Baldwin's a terrible actor. Somehow he fit perfectly with playing Barney. Yeah, but I don't think Barney should have been that dumb. Like he was supposed to be smarter than Fred. Is he? I never get that sense. Am I wrong, or is it the fact? Well, hold on a second. Actually, you know what? Now that I pause and think about it, and you've said that, Fred sounds intelligent, but isn't. Barney sounds stupid. Tends the voice of reason. Hmm. Yeah. Like I said, Mark Addy, I thought was a great choice as a, a young Fred Flintstone. Yeah. Too. Whatever happened to that guy? I mean, I haven't I, seen him since like Mark, uh, Night's Tale. Oh no, he's been in a bunch of movies, mainly in England. He was also in a. Uh, down to Earth with uh, Chris Rock, he was like he was like the head butler. Oh, that's right, yes, I remember. And he was also he was also King Robert Baratheon in Game of Thrones, and he's also in another show on BBC. I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, he's still he's still up there, man. And uh, okay, so the women in the sequel, I remember um, she was on Thirty Rock. Yeah, Thirty Rock. Oh gosh, I I should know this. Jane Krakowski, she was Betty, and the girl from Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, Kirsten Johnson. There, okay, so we got a good cast on it. this. Um, you know, I think they all fit really well. And here's the weird thing is the sequel bombed. It bombed hard. Uh, and I, I never understood why people rejected it. Maybe there was like this weird delusional euphoria over the first one. Like, it's so great. You know, and everybody went. And then like six years later, this movie isn't that good. There's like 35 writers on the movie, by the way. Uh, not all of them. Oh, shit. What? Yeah, 35 writers on Flintstones because they just could not get it together. On the sequel, I think it's only three people, or maybe four. Uh, Jim Cash, who is one of the co-writers, I believe, of Stakeout. And then Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan wrote a very, very favorite of mine, which not a lot of people even remember anymore for some reason, Can't Hardly Wait. And Josie and the Pussycats! <gasps> oh my god, I loved those movies. Yeah. I kid you not, Can't Hardly Wait was definitely like one of my one of my favorite movies to watch during the summer. It, it pretty much like glorified a high school experience for me, except for the jock. I wanted to punch him in the face. Yeah, so yeah. Peter Facinelli, I wanted you know to kick him in the face so fucking hard. I was the Charlie Cosmo, uh, Cosmo character. Cosmo? Cosmo? I can't remember. The one from uh, Dick Tracy. And uh, what about Bob? Yeah, that's definitely him. Yeah, I remember him. Oh, and Hook. Right, right. Um, I didn't realize this, that Seth MacFarlane was set to relaunch the show, and uh, Fox said no. What the hell? Yeah. Is he going to be too busy with... Fa- well, are, they, are they thinking he's going to do too much with Flintstones, like he's going to go too far, turn it into a family guy? No! He wouldn't. Seth MacFarlane? Look what he did with Cosmos, with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Well, it's I just, still, I don't all, it's all scientific. It was only two years ago, so maybe they'll change their mind. Um, but he is, he does seem like to have too many things going at once. Do we, uh, family Guy is still going. Is Cleveland still going? That's done, right? And uh, American Dad no, is Cleveland's still done. going? There's still American Dad. Okay. Yeah, there's still American Dad. Yeah, no, and I think he was also working on another. I think he was working on another movie. He might be working on Ted Three. No, I don't think so. That Ted Two didn't do anywhere nearly as the first one. But who knows? They might like. Oh, it did really well on video. We'll continue this. I wish he'd make um, you know, just something more original, like the way you know, instead of another sequel, do something like Million Dollars, not Million Dollars, but Million Ways to Die in the West. Yeah. Oh God. Now, honestly, I cannot see why that was bashed. I mean, it. I thought it was successful. It was so humorous. Everything blended together. It felt like an actual Western. It wasn't like a parody of a Western. It was a freaking Western. Um, so the Flintstones, uh, in our normal everyday culture, have entrenched themselves with two particular items, which everybody has had, or at least heard of. Flintstone vitamins. Who hasn't had Flintstone right. vitamins? Oh, God. Uh, oh, I definitely had. I've also had the Flintstone like ice cream push pops, uh, Flintstone gummy snacks, everything. 
And then, of course, All of it. Fruity Pebbles. Uh, for decades, Fruity Pebbles has been the go-to. Fruity of Cocoa Pebbles. Like, yeah, the, the, the fruit-flavored rice cereal. And I remember when they replaced them with WWE characters, um, John Cena being specifically one of them that they focused on, and I was like, it's the end of an era. No. God damn it, John Cena. Fuck <laughs> you, John Cena. Oh, my God. Oh, dude. You know what I realized in Flintstones? What? Yeah, not, not only was Kyle McLaughlin in it, but his, that secretary was Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Oh, my God. And her name God. was Sharon Stone. Yeah, Miss Stone. Oh, my God. God. Oh yeah, and you know what was great? Uh, Harvey Corman coming in and playing the Dick the Bird, Hold and on. Elizabeth Taylor playing uh, his mother-in-law. Hold on, what did you say? Harvey Corman played the Dick the Bird. What the hell is it? Oh, it's like a dictate. Uh, dicta. Oh, oh, it's a dictator. Um. Yeah, it records and repeats everything he says. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah. Who else? Oh God. Who? Oh yeah, Jonathan Winters. He played that grizzled man in the alleyway. The one that Richard Mall. Oh, Elizabeth Taylor playing uh. Wilma's mom. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, but oh my god, these honestly, are absolutely necessary. Uh, the Flintstones. You have to some of these episodes. I would say probably skip most of the spinoffs except Flintstone Kids because that's just uh, of its time. You kind of like check it out where we are. Because this is when they started relaunching a lot of those characters. But as kids, remember they did uh, Muppet Babies and um, a pup named Squid and Flintstone Kids and stuff like that. Yes, I definitely remember all those. Just to try and introduce the new generation, you know, see them bring up, and because you know they'll be want to be they'll in, they'll be interested in seeing what they're like, what they'll be like when they grow up, like just like with Rugrats, all grown up when they finally like you oh. know grew up, became teenagers and all that. I think it's funny as because we're so curious. Usually we spend a half hour on each cartoon. We try to, and then we find ourselves running out of material. So then we start talking about the cast. We filled up our half hour easily. So we're not going to do that. You can look it up on yeah, there's a funny cast. But um, I guess we kind of filled our time on this one. Right. Um, I definitely, in my opinion, the Flintstones are a required view. Definitely, must so. I mean, I will give this for the movie. Oh, my God. The the sets were amazing. It felt like you were actually in the st- You. It's like the cartoon really did like pop up to life. You and, know, um, of course, John Goodman's you know casting oh, as Fred was absolutely perfect. A gentleman I know, um, he said that he was sick of L.A. and he was getting ready to move out. And um, right before he moved, him and his brother went out to the Flintstones uh, shooting location. And they were just kind of hanging out, like, on the outskirts of the set. And they kind of sat down on this big Ah. set. And all of a sudden, a gentleman stands up uh, and says, hey, how you guys doing? You want to smoke? And like, no, we're okay. And then they look, it's John Goodman. He's just kind of taking a lunch break, getting a a sandwich and a smoke in. (laughs) And say he's the nicest guy. Uh, (laughs) I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, John Goodman looks like he has a big heart. Yeah. He seems like that, too. (laughs) yeah dude honestly i would definitely i mean uh, and if people do end up watching the cartoon and they do want to and they are interested in the live action movie i'd highly recommend it i mean i thought it was still it's for me it still holds up and brings up joy brings me joy when um do you remember when john goodman was really young when he was the bad coach in revenge of the nerd yes like he was oh my god then i mean he was still a behemoth i mean that man is just big boned no i'm not talking like a metaphor for being heavy i'm just talking that guy is built he is a big guy, yeah, definitely. I mean, gosh, even when you see him in the Speed Racer movie, like he takes out a couple of the ninjas because he was a wrestling champion, huh. and he actually got in a sh- and I think he he was actually in shape for that movie. Yeah, 
Man, Speed Racer. You know, I used to hate Speed Racer, but I, I watched it for um, Trash Cinema a couple years ago, and I actually kind of liked it a lot better. Yeah, I honestly couldn't see what was wrong with it. I thought it was a very fun and, you know, visually fantastic movie. Well, I don't like, and the, again, I don't like the visual part. I don't like um, the chases. It looked like it was on a Hot Wheel tracks with candy-colored cars. That part irritated me, but I liked the characters. I especially liked the little brother and the monkey. They cracked me up. Spritle. Yeah. <laughs> And then Christina Ricci just coming in, like being the, being the girlfriend, saying cool beans. Oh gosh, can never get enough of her. She cool still beans. looks fantastic. <laughs> All right, so cool our second beans. cartoon is uh, the Jetson, and um, I played a theme song before, but it wasn't the right one. It was kind of weird, jazzy version. So I figured you like this better. I'm watching this, but I'm watching the ultimate version. So the theme song and the show are from its original run, but um, I noticed that the title card was entered in the version I'm watching. Do you remember when they started adding all these title cards for syndication? Not necessarily, no. Yeah, it's uh, it was. I guess it was a way because by the time the '70s rolled around, they started adding all of these title cards, which would just show you like a simplified like freeze art or whatever. You know, just one frame of art and then the title, and it usually said like the title, of the show, and was directed by. Um, but of course they didn't have that back in the 60s. When they started syndicating it, they padded that in for some weird, uh, I guess to make the seasons look like they all flowed together. Now, while the Flintstones was insanely popular on for, you know, many, many, the Jetsons only lasted one originally. And I didn't know this because by the time I had seen the Jetsons in syndication, it went on for a few years. So it all seemed like it was very, very successful. And then the movie happened and, uh, that sucked. I hate that movie. I remember being in the theater going, this is garbage. The animated movie? Yeah, I didn't like it. And I remember my sister really liked it. And I was like, fuck Tiffany, she's terrible as Judy Jetson. Where's my Judy? <laughs> oh, the lead oh, yeah, the singer Tiffany. Oh, God, that's oh God, that's right. She was. They needed some kind of 80s star to get, like, you know, all the teens and yeah. uh, the Sing teen the traction songs. and the viewing audience to be in there. Although, I mean, I... I Barely remember the movie, but was it about a particular alien that Elroy befriended, and it was to save the war, their planet or something from a uh, Mr. Beasley's, uh, oh, Spacely's uh, mining operation? I'm gonna say yes because I have not seen it since it came out. I saw the drive-in with, oddly of all things, King Ralph. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was <laughs> King Ralph and the Jetsons. It was a double feature of the drive-in. Right now, that beginning intro. I mean. As far as it goes, it's like, oh, come on. The whole, like, uh, Jane Jetson part, like, stealing all his money. I'm like, what are, they, what are they trying to say? Are they trying to make her a gold digger? Is that why she's married to him? Back in the day, they were a little sexist with this stuff. You know, they treated women like... Exactly. Well, so, even the first episode, think about it. Um, she's a stay-at-home mom who basically decides to get a robot to do all the work. So, what they're trying to say is that women are lazy, which is bullshit. But it's a weird plot point, and I'm stunned. <laughs> if that aired today, it would make it past the first episode. Oh, God, yes. I know. 
honestly, if they were to be really progressive back then, like Jane would have been, you know, a CEO. Who knows? She probably could have been working as well. Yeah, for all we know, yeah, she could have been a CEO of her own company. She could have been working just as hard as George does, which didn't really seem to be much. Uh, well, yeah, what oh. he did, it was like sleeping as a tree. He was kind of like the, um, a little bit of Homer Simpson going on there, a little bit of Al Bundy, like just kind of, uh, uh, I'll get through the day, and sometimes I just lean back in my chair and just let things coast. And they'll walk the dog on the little space treadmill, which I thought was pretty fun. Ruh? Ruh? <laughs> Jane, stop this crazy thing. You think they've made a porn oh, my God. of the Jetsons and called that dog asshole? Because <laughs> Astro sounds like an asshole. Oh! <laughs> Oh God, yeah, no, no doubt. I would not question. I would not doubt that one bit they, that they made a porn parody. Oh God, what? Every single show, every yeah. single movie you liked as a kid, all of a sudden they'll say, "This ain't WKRP, an XXX parody, that kind of stuff." You're like, oh, "This ain't Flintstones. This ain't this. This ain't the Cosby's. This ain't Scooby Doo." Although they, there's a Scooby Doo one. Uh, this ain't the Waltons. There's like, no. Oh, just stop. Just stop, please. This ain't the Jeffersons. Fucking a. <laughs> <laughs> what won't you touch? Popeye. Get the fuck away from Popeye. What won't you touch is also <laughs> the name of a porno. No. <laughs> Actually, speaking of Popeye, I mean, Robin Williams did this funny stand-up like, about watching porn movies of like his movies, Snatch Adams. He's like, that's kind of the strap on. That's fucking scary. Popeye, I could watch that shit. <laughs> However, but honestly, with the Jetsons, I thought – like looking back on it, like seeing some of those episodes, like the way it was progressed, how you know some work conditions were, living life, it seemed like there was like from the episodes from what I remember, there was like almost no poverty. It's a utopian society. It was kind of basically. Hard. It's in the sixties we had this idea, and of course America itself, at least for white people, it was going pretty solid. You know, I mean, the money was flowing in, everybody had great jobs, they're making some wages. You know, they had two kids and a car in the garage. You know, a big lawn, a dog playing in it. You know, and then we had this idea for about 15 years where people were going to be wonderful, utopian society, the future, and then shit. Flying cars, being out in space, having a space home, okay, meeting aliens. How fucking cool is that flying shit? Flying cars right now. I don't want anybody in a fucking flying car because last time I checked, nobody can drive their normal on the land car. And what happens is the things break down. Uh, at first, they're going to think, oh, we don't need any anti-gravity protection in case it dies. No, it's going to crash right into your house and kill you. We're going to have so many disasters exactly. in the air and on the ground, and then the only people left alive are the ones that drove their bike. Rode their bike. Yeah, God, I got... Why can't I have a why can't, oh not a bicycle like me oh I want a hover a bicycle oh a hover bike okay um, a hoverboard we're of course we'll have hoverboards and not that shit that I've been seeing out there those aren't hoverboards oh, the, they don't flow off the, the ones ground, that explode they're not hoverboards if they don't float off the ground they're just on big wheels and you steer it's like it's like a Segway without the handle it is it's fucking stupid it's honestly I'm like do not ever call that a I even tell those people, I'm like, don't you ever call it that fucking hoverboard around me again. I will end you. I will slap, I will slap some intelligence into you. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. And then, they don't go over water, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But as far as this cartoon goes, yeah, man. I mean, it. I thought it's, it was definitely a lot of fun. You know, how everybody had their own little, like, you know, just at the beginning, the intro. Everybody, like, you know, kind of floated away in their own little... Um, little pod and you know get to the got to their destination oh god I mean, we don't really have much like that except they are having driverless cars eventually 
Yeah. You know, the Flintstones and the Jetsons um, were both, like, twists on whatever was popular at that time in pop culture. You know, they, they had, like, the Teeny Boppers. So, like, the Beatles, they'd have a version of that. You know, Elvis, a version of that. Either a space version or, or a caveman version. You know, they always had something that was in pop culture that they would uh, stick to. Now, of course, Flintstones is sophisticated savage. And the Jetsons is uh, retrofuturism. Um, both are of their period, and they have oddly aged very, very well in the comedy and the setups and the design work. I feel like the second, the continuation of the Jetsons, which took place in syndication, um, is very like screams 1986, low budget, very stilted. Even by that time, very stilted. And the futurism of it doesn't look like the 60s. It looks like post Star Wars kind of idea of what future like. So. There's some influence of Star Trek and Star Wars, the new Jetson series. And I don't I don't like the new series at all. I didn't even know they had a new Jetson series. Yeah, uh, wait, when it. did this come out? Like, what, 90? Uh, well, the original series was 62 to 3, and right. sequel series was after, um, you know that Jetson's Flintstones was so popular, but I think that took place after Yeah, the, the crossover. It's like 85, 87, or 86 to 80 is when the show concluded. And then there was the movie special, oh. and then they decided to go to the theatrical movie. Um, but you look at a lot of the design work, it doesn't look retro-futuristic, which means it's not in line at all with the... It kind of looks like it's a Battlestar Galactica or Buck Rogers or anything that was sci-fi at that time. Oh, God. <laughs> no. And uh, I guess as far as... Oh, yeah. I'll, speaking of theatrical, there was... Um, this is what I was going to mention. That's why I stammered a little bit. I was like, wait, damn it. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, that's right. I tend to do that. I'm sorry. You can shoot me later. Anyway, so there was supposed to be actual, uh, a live-action uh, film of it by Robert Rodriguez. I think it was introduced in, like, what, late 2000s? Mid to late 2000s? Uh, and yeah, I know was... He, was, he was talking about doing it um, after the Spy Kids movies had wrapped up, which, what, was 2003 was the last Spy Kids until he decided to revive it again. Somewhere in the middle there, he was trying oh, to do God. John Carter, Man of Mars, and he was trying to do the Jetsons, both, of course, um... Well, okay, Man of, uh, Man of Mars got done by Disney by someone else, um, and then the Jetsons has not happened. Yeah, and he was also doing City, and then he went back to Sin City 2, A Dame to Kill For, which sucked. I'm sorry, Rod Rodriguez, but yeah. you need to make better movies. Oh, yeah, and he also did um, Planet Terror, and, and well, along with Death Race, Quentin Tarantino. What's yeah, the machete. sequel called? Machete Kills or something? Yeah, and then there was Machete 3, Machete in Space. Well, that hasn't happened yet, has it? <laughs> I think it has. I want to say it has. I, I don't think it I'm has. I'm not sure. By the time I'll this airs, look it up. By anyway. the time this airs, it will be in theaters because um, yeah. we, we delay our show time. Oh, you get reruns. So. And he also did uh, Predators. He was also producing that. Yeah. And now awesome. he, uh, yeah, you know he was gonna, you know who was gonna play? Um, oh yeah, and then he had that one uh, kids movie about that wishing rock, the one with all the short stories. Oh, I think it's called that Shorts. I've never seen that in the theater, but I have zero memory of it except for John Cryer was. Yeah, uh, there. Uh, you know who um, he was. For the live-action Jetsons, he was going to get Bill Macy to play George. No, I'm uh, kidding. Don't you think that would have been perfect? Um, older than George, because George was... Uh, this is weird. I noticed. Okay, this is another thing I just like. Sorry. Um, George was 40. Jane. Jane was 33. Jane. So that's a kind of a big chunk of difference there. But Judy is clearly a teenager, so they must have just, like... He must have married her at 18. He was uh, 25. Okay, that's odd. Um, and then she must have had a baby, like, instantly, because she's only 33 in the pilot, and clearly Judy's, like, 14 or 15, so, wow, fast action to action. Yeah, uh-huh, so much for that abstinence training, <laughs> so much for that abstinence training, teaching bullshit, that doesn't work! <laughs> oh, gosh, but, as far as this show goes, yes. 
Mike, are we still on? Yes, we're still on. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. But you know, as far as as yeah, no, as far as it went, like they never really did like uh, mention the ages of Elroy and uh, Judy. Well, in the first episode, like, uh, Space Lease Rockets or whatever his name is. What, what is his boss name? Mel Blanc played it. I feel like an ass. Oh, uh, yeah, Spacely. Yeah, Mr. Spacely. Um, he says um, he actually thinks that he's the wa- uh, that Judy is um, George's wife. So that's a little awkward because clearly she's here, but she looks like she's old enough to be an adult. So that even mucks things up even more. But he but he says that, and I think she refers. She says something like, you know, she's fourteen or fifteen. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, well, let's think. She might have been 20. Huh. No. Yeah, she might have been, she might have been 19 when that happened. Still, that's some quick, just like, hey, I'm out of college. I'm a professional man. Hey, you're just right out of high school. How's it going? <laughs> that yeah, means, again, as you said, it was yeah, very, very sexist. That means she got married, like, the second she graduated high school and got knocked up almost immediately because then you have to add the nine months for, oh, wow, dude, George. Cool it, man. <laughs> you can put an ice pack on that thing. <laughs> I know. I was like, "Are who know who? Like, how would like birthing work that then in the future?" I'm like, "Did they have some kind of, um, did they have some kind of like rapid like progression, rapid growth hormone, some maybe, you know injections?" Maybe BSD. Oh, who knows? It's the future. Right. They don't say she actually got pregnant. You know what? They could be clones. Just bought those. Yeah. No. They. Yeah. Who knows? They could. And who knows? They could have been adopted. Oh my god. But then again, yeah. Wait a minute. Kidnapped. Why would Judy have silver? Wait a minute. Why would Judy? Wait. Why would Judy have silver hair? Where did she get that from? You know, Definitely yeah. wouldn't get it from because both parents are gingers. If you look at it, they both have red hair. Judy has silver hair, she's and Elroy is blonde. She's immune. She's Quicksilver's kid. <laughs> he could have teleported to the future and probably, you know. Posed as a young George. Hey, the Flash does uh-huh. it. He opened a wormhole in time and fast forward and whatever. Yes, that's it. That is the answer. I know everything now. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> We're so stupid. <laughs> but it is. It's a reasonable yeah. question, though. It's just like, huh? But they're probably just like didn't even think about it when they like, oh, yo, yeah, that does seem kind of strange, doesn't it? Nah, screw it. We're like twenty episodes into it. Keep going. And now, do you ever think that there will be another live action? Do you think they're uh, going to get the live action version off the ground? eventually um well it does seem like we are in the era of not only doing superhero you know based on comic book stuff but also trying to take stuff from animation but well you know it's it's hard with the uh, so the transform movies are successful the gi joe movies have been technically successful only because of international has been big for those yet for some reason we can't seem to get a part three uh which is driving me up the wall because i prefer gi joe way over transformers um, the Ninja Turtle movies, the first one did great, the second one didn't so much. It does seem to be more action-oriented right now, but I can see them trying to do the Jetsons. Maybe not the Flintstones, because they already did two versions. Jetsons, you know, it's, it's a lot of right. visual eye candy, lots of special effects. Yeah, sure. I can totally see that happening in the next five years. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. And I don't think they're going to get Bill Macy, because he's going to be too old. Heck, oh. they're even bringing Chips. They're making a movie about Chips now. Yeah. Um, but William H. Macy might be able to play, uh... Basically. Uh, uh, um, now, or, ordinarily, you would go with Danny DeVito, but I'm starting to think he's almost. He doesn't look. Uh, I don't know. I think he could do it, but I mean, he doesn't look too old. He's Give him a little like bit of makeup. Hot. I'm sure he'll be fine. <laughs> Precisely. I'm sure he smokes a lot of weed. <laughs> um, Frank. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize this until just now. Like, it's obvious that the Flintstones is from the Honeymooners, but I didn't even dawn on me until I'm reading this on Wikipedia that. 
the Jetsons is a space version, basically, of the Dick Van Dyke show. You look at George, and he does kind of resemble Dick Van Dyke. He's got that big nose and that curly, curled hair, slick back hair. Damn. Huh. The um, syndicated yeah, you know, I think this $300,000 an episode. They make it sound like that's a lot of money, and maybe it was, but I feel like animation cost that little, even 30 years ago. Good God. 30 years ago, $300,000? Good God, yes, that could, that is a lot of fucking money. Is it for an animated show? I don't know, it doesn't seem like it is. Back then, back then in like the 60s, definitely. To me, I'd say that's a lot of fucking money per episode. Shit. They've tried to do a live action version of the Jetsons in 1985. Paramount had the rights. In the 80s, Universal tried to do it. Man, trying to do the Jetsons on a a budget back then, that would have cost like... Everything, every month, every single dollar in the world to do Jetsons live action. Well, I mean, no, you're right. Yeah, no, Universal. Well, Universal had Flintstones already, so they could. They never even tried to tackle Jetsons. Honestly, if I were to see someone do Jetsons, I'd want it to be Steven Spielberg. Yeah, or um, maybe Whedon handle it. Or or Joss uh, Whedon. No, oh, uh, Joss Favreau. Whedon definitely. Favreau has his heart in John Favreau. Oh, that would be pretty cool. I think. I'm trying to think. As far as like getting George Jetson, because you mentioned um, Joss Whedon, Nathan Fillion could be George Jetson. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> but who? Okay, then we play Jane. Who uh, would play Sarah Jane? Sarah Michelle Geller. <gasps> that could work. Yes. And Elroy. All digital. Just screw. I forget kids. They can't act. Just do a whole digital version of Elroy. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. And oh, Rosie, the robot. Well, clearly. A oh robot. my God! Have her voice by um, Ellen. Ellen DeGeneres? No, no. Ellen DeGeneres. Oh my God, that could work. It doesn't seem bossy enough. And then, who who Judy be? Who would Judy be? Judy. Uh, well, Judy obviously is a punk. G is a punk. No. <laughs> I love the Drop Ramones reference in there. Um, oh hell yes, dude. I, okay. I don't know. Um, I'm not paying attention to who the kids are anyways. Who's on all these sitcoms? How are these uh, whippersnappers out there? Um, no, I have no... Mm, Ariana Grande, maybe. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll, that's maybe that's a decent idea. And if they have music, then she could sing it. Um, music does seem a big part of it. Oh, hell yeah. Shows. Yeah, so, yeah, I can see that. Um, there's something else. Oh, it says here that, um, two years ago, Warner Brothers announced that they were going to do a new animated Jetsons. Uh, I, I probably meant for straight to video, because that's kind of what Warner Brothers does these days. Um, possibly theatrical, but they only have, like, a screenplay worked on right now. They don't have anybody in charge. Uh, Denise DeNova was attached for a long time. Uh, Tim Burton. Um, it said at one point that Kanye yeah. West was mistakenly reported as a creative director on the project, and uh, that was wrong. Oh God! God, because it would it would been all about Kanye and the future. I'm like, where's the Jetsons in this? It's called the Jetsons, right? No, it's just about me and uh, yeah, the, my lady. Uh, the West. Uh, yeah. Um, Kim Kardashian. Kardashian. Or it's just all Kanye. Like Kanye dressed up as every character. Oh, oh, it's all about Kanye. Stop it! That's madness. I know it's very just. I'm just thinking of it as being John Malkovich, Ka- Kanye, 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 Kanye. <laughs> oh fuck! I would, I would burn the theater. I would burn the theater down and make sure every copy of that movie is destroyed if that ever was fucking made. Um, Jensen's has also made. They've made appearances in video games for pretty much every weird, like old school. Uh, system, the Intellivision, Amiga, uh, the DOS system, um, NES, of course, okay, that's the main one, uh, Game Boy, Super NES. Of course. This one sounds kind of cool, mm-hmm. the Jetson Invasion of the Planet Pirates on Super NES. 
I want to play that. That sounds awesome. I got to find it for my emulator and download it. <laughs> they have one called Flintstones and the Jetsons Time Warp for the CDI. And also the Jetsons Space oh, Race wow. for CDI. CDI was this failed, horrible, horrible system. You and I discussed it once before because they're the ones who did those ridiculously awful um, uh, Legend of Zelda games where it was animated. Oh. Yeah. No. Good okay. Now, as... Now, the time warp part in the title, did they actually do the time warp where it was a jump to the left and then a step to the right? And then the game completely <laughs> shut down. You can never use it again. <laughs> no! Oh, damn it all. Everybody wanted to get in the CD oh, well. game back then, man, but everybody had to wait around for PlayStation to get it right. Oh, yeah. No, Sega CD had quite a few bumps. I did like the Batman Returns version of that for, uh, for that, though. You could actually... You know, pilot the Batmobile and the soundtrack. I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, what was there? There was the 3DO, which was okay, but they just didn't have very many games. It was crazy expensive. There was a CDI, which was an absolute shit. Um, there yeah. was uh, not the Sega Saturn. What was it? Just the regular Sega. C there was that uh, Panasonic. Yeah. Panasonic's the one that did 3DO. There's another one. I can't remember the name of it, but it was also another massive fail like game system. In the 90s, were just lit. Oh, Jaguar, right? No, was Jaguar a CD or was that a, a cartridge base? The I think Jaguar might have been cartridge-based. Okay. Um, yeah, the 90s were it's rough on so video long. games, kids. If you didn't have a Genesis Super Nintendo and you made a different... Dis oh, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. Uh, how are those uh, therapy yeah. sessions? And have you bought a new game since you dealt with the trauma? <laughs> and then came the N64 and the PlayStation. Yeah, uh, I had a roommate who um, had the Sega Saturn. He had one great game on that. Uh, that was Panzer Dragoon. I um, Dragoon? Um, no, yeah. yeah, Knights. Knights was good, and then he um, later would buy um, Scud, the disposable assassin, which I thought was awesome. But in general, man, that Sega Saturn <laughs> was just a flop. And they and they got it right with the Dreamcast, but guess what? They ran out of money. And they decided to stop making consoles because they only stuck to making video games and not everything else. Because Sony, oh god, what? Sony has film. They have the CDs. They're also a software company. Yeah. They made CD players. They make music players. They're, they're fucking. They were smart. Yeah. They were very fucking smart. They had backup and, and you know that stuff they could license, but Sega only had Sega, and they were fighting a war for a decade with uh, Nintendo, and then all of a sudden Sony comes in like, nah, nah, we're first. Yeah, and as far as Sony goes, I think they're the, they have the death, the most dominant console. The PS, I will say the PS4 is definitely the best one out of all of them. But as far as it goes for. Um, yeah, like as far as like making the Jetsons game, it only stopped at like uh, Super Nintendo. What's that? What? I'm sorry. I'm, right. I'm watching a video right now. It was Philips that created the CGI, and somebody, some great oh. hero out there, uh, recorded the entire game, uh, the animations for you. Oh wow. Yeah. So instead of having to sit through the shitty oh, game, you can just watch the animated parts. Oh yeah. Like oh yeah, they had just like they had one for the uh, Batman animated series. Uh, uh, Sega Saturn game. Yeah, well, they had Dragon's Lair and Space Ace, and I tried to play both, and I just hit, can I just watch the whole movie? And it's like, oh, well, well, it's only ten minutes long, but right. at least I saved myself that headache. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, uh, like, around, like, the late 80s, early 90s, like, Jetson started dying out, or... I really think that movie, not doing well, just kind of dropped dead, just, like, killed the franchise. They weren't interested anymore in going in the franchise, so... They put all their money on the the Flintstones movie, and did, and the first one made a lot of money, right? Oh yeah, like especially worldwide. Like it, I mean, it was expensive. Like I think it was like sixty million or something like that. And you know, after Worldwide came in, they're like, oh, we're good. 
But it's weird that it did take six more years to create a sequel, but then it had to be a prequel because everybody kind of aged out of the role. So then that's why we have a whole new cast. But that sequel is right. bonkers level expensive. It's like 83. Yeah, and they had they used a lot of uh, computer-generated imagery, especially yeah. for like the pterodactyls and all that and Dino. And of course, Kazoo. Yeah, Dino was – oh, yeah, Gazoo. We cannot forget Gazoo. I like I like Alan Cummings. Alan Cummings portrayal. It's Guzu with a G, Guh. not Kazu. It's Guz. Yeah, it's Guzu. Let's all say it together. Heck, they even mentioned that in the movie. <laughs> but dude, you know what I noticed? That alien that was talking to um Guzu at the beginning was Taylor Negron. No, rest in peace, Taylor Negron. Yeah, that was him. That was uh, definitely him. If you don't know who Taylor Negron, <gasps> he was in Fast Times Ridgemont High. Better off dead. Uh, Milo from uh, Last Boy Scout. He's one of the, the main villains, which most people forget. Um, crazy, one Crazy Summer. Uh, he was the right, gas station attendant. Yeah, yeah. One of them. Um, he's just one of those faces that would pop up here and there. Uh, he's in Punchline. Uh, mostly did like kind of sarcastic, smart-ass characters. And he passed. I know you do. Uh, nothing, nothing but trouble. I know you. Uh, I know him. you don't really care for that movie. I thought it was hilarious, but I thought he was great in that too, where he's a Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> or he's a Brazilian and they're escaping from the house and he says, that's it, I'm going to flip out. Uh, I don't remember this. I, I've tried to erase everything from that movie from my memory. Except I always remember um, uh, the band. The penis know. nose of Dan Aykroyd. No, no, no. What's, what's oh, the, yes, of course. The, the, um, the, oh, Digital Playground, right? Yeah, Digital Playground with Tupac Shakur that too. Wow. Yeah, uh, Tupac was there. All right, I'm so like, we've kind of gone off topic here. <laughs> um, let's kind of wrap this up. Right. We are at the hour point here. Um, both are essential viewing animation, and I do know that you and I kind of get hooked on the 80s, 90s kind of animation, but it is nice to go yes. back, and every once in a while we discuss some older stuff. Um, our third anniversary of the show is in February, and for that anniversary, so what, a month from now, we're going to a series of Looney Tunes episodes. Um, I wasn't sure how to approach it because there's so many characters and there's so much stuff to discuss, but... We'll just pick two or three characters each episode to discuss. We'll probably do three or four episodes because, um, you know, I think that pretty much should cover all the major characters and our favorite, what what appeals to us, what our favorite shorts were. Um, thank you, everybody. Right. The show is really blowing up. Um, it kind of stalled for a while here and there. Like, it would build and just kind of, uh, and sometimes it would drop. You remember when we got to 800 downloads and we're like, what? That's amazing! Uh, <laughs> now it's like, what? It's it's over three four thousand downloads. Yeah, it's over four thousand now, and um, promoting uh, has helped the show. And at the same time, I realized that I was kind of over promoting, so I was kind of burning our bridges. So I kind of pulled back a little bit. People have shared. I do. Um, but a lot of people just keep coming back. They subscribe to the show, and now it's to the point where I'm finally starting to get really really happy with. It. Um, trying to still we have a theme song, but I kind of want to go with something a little more elaborate. Um, maybe try a new logo for back in since for our new anniversary. Uh, just kind of tweaking things here and there. And, of course, Jacob got a new microphone, so hopefully that helps with the sound. I still wish we were in the same damn room. Oh, it's driving me crazy that we're so far apart. It's my fault for super dead broke all the time, so I can't travel that. It drives me crazy, and I can't help myself. <laughs> um, so that is where we now, stand as a show. as we discuss... What? Eh? <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say, hey, all right, hey, calm down, Burgess Meredith. Jesus, Penguin. <laughs> okay. As we discuss, our, uh, after we discuss Looney Tunes, are we eventually going to discuss the movie Space Jam? Um, Jacob, I don't want to break your heart. Space Jam was someone else. Oh, okay. When you were really, really busy, there was about 12 episodes right. back in tune that you and I didn't do here because you were overwhelmed with That's work. That's true. This is back when I was like, hey, I'll just grab anybody for a guest. And then I realized I'm cheating on you. So, uh... <laughs> 
but we've worked through that. We've 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 made up. <laughs> we, we're going past that now. Yeah. So this is where but I'll go. Uh, yeah. What we can discuss it because okay. you know it'll be still part of what we're talking about with the whole universe. Um, and of course, at some point yeah. we have to discuss back in action, which to me is the only legitimate um, Bugs Bunny Looney Tunes movie because I actually think Space Jam is kind of like. Um, a marketing thing only. It's just there to sell stuff. It's okay, but it's not a true... A back in action gets it. I mean, Joe Dante really understood what makes those characters work. And it was great, and it was a huge flop, and I'm just like, what? It made no sense, despite or despite great critics' reviews. It just didn't make the money. No, it doesn't help. Just like with uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. You, that's, yeah, they, they released that with no promotion, but Looney Tunes came out after Elf. It came out the week after Elf, so people weren't interested. They all wanted to see Elf. <sighs> Which is Fucking crazy. Elf. If you think that Elf and Looney Tunes are owned by the same damn company and they basically cannibalize themselves because they're morons. <laughs> oh, damn it, Warner Brothers. Yeah. Oh, why would they do that? Okay. Uh, okay. But also, for me personally, Space Jam, uh, being a kid in like the 90s, I actually did play basketball for a while. And my number one reason to play, my number one idol, greatest of all time. Michael fucking Jordan. <laughs> okay, well, we'll save this. We'll save this for the Tunes episode. Okay, so this is what's happening um, for the rest of the show. I think I've finally broken down what I need to with um, uh, back in Tunes until our end of our run. Um, we were stuck at restricting ourselves with cartoons that were 20 years or older. Of course, that changes every year as we go you know, into 2016, 2017, so we get to add a new year. Um, kind of still sticking in that area, but I moved it up a little bit because last year the Adult Swim episode, so that was 15. Um, that seems like a comfortable area. Something about 15 or older would be a comfortable place to go. Not technically because it requires it to be 20 years old. Um, there is two right. spinoffs. Uh, we've been doing the Perfect Saturday Morning with guests where they plan their perfect Saturday morning schedule in the animation show. Um, and we talk about that. That's how it kind of breaks up from, you know, just you and me. Uh, and the other show is What the Fuck, where me and my friend Tony, the worst, most insane cartoons we've ever seen, we discuss that for a shorter episode, usually about 20 minutes long, and I saved Jacob the nightmare of having to experience my cartoons. Thank you. Yes. The last episode <laughs> Thank was you very much. kids, and I'm still having... Yeah, no, and I thought I had nightmares already. Yeah. Jesus. It was awful. Ugh. It was terrible. Um... That's where we stand right now. We are past our 100th episode, working towards 150. And uh, thank you, everybody. If you have any suggestions for cartoons we should discuss, hit us up on Facebook under Back in Tunes. You'll find uh, our other podcast there, as well as the other one that we launched, which is about comic books. And I feel like cartoons and comic books kind of go hand in. So Comics on Infinite Earths is there. And uh, Jacob, thank you. We're almost to three years. I know. My God. What are we going to do for our three-year anniversary? Um, Got it. I got a bit. I gotta visit you, man. Shoot, I just want to travel out of state for a little bit. It'd be yeah, great. I want to try to live somewhere nicer. I live somewhere very, very affordable, but very dangerous. Uh, it was for a job Jeez. situation. I, I can't really be excellent. It's hard for me to go. Hey, I'm out. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> there. Well, it's. I don't know what we should approach. Should we approach something that we think is gonna be big, like as an audience-wise, or something that was significant and important? Because I have an idea. Um, I don't know if it's something you want to discuss, but. Um, uh, my favorite animated movie of all time is American Pop, and uh, I think it's kind of forgotten. The people that are uh, my age and younger really haven't experienced or even heard of it, uh, but it's, it's absolutely gorgeous piece of work from Ralph Bakshi. I would like to discuss that, and maybe if there's an animated movie you want to discuss or a show, then we'll just do it. We'll do a two-part anniversary. Right. 
Oh gosh, animated movies. Uh, does that is it? Can it, can it be computer generated or hand drawn or either or? Well, you and I have discussed what counts as animation. Of course, has to be somehow drawn. It has to be yeah. either by computer hand. But we also had the idea that animated, not necessarily drawn, but can also be puppet. Puppets are animated figures. Like so, the Muppets kind of count. Dark Crystal kind of counts. Stuff like that. Not hand-drawn, but still in a fashion. Claymation is a physical yeah. thing that is manipulated, so therefore that counts as a... Right. My gosh, that's actually... Oh, my God, now it's going to be a tough question. I'm not even sure which one to pick. I mean, it could be between, like, you know, the Ralph Bakshi, uh, Lord of the Rings, or the well, Rankin-Bass Hobbit, or... We just did that. We literally just yeah, did Yeah, I know, we did. We haven't aired it yet, but we have... Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, cool oh silly me. Cool world. Cool world. God, yes, that was an awesome one. So that was definitely one of the ones I liked watching as a kid. Yeah, let's do a Bakshi double feature. We'll talk about um, American Pop for the first half hour, and then we'll discuss Cool World for the half hour. Yeah. Wait, Ralph Bakshi did Fire and Ice too, right? He did, and we did that one last year. Of course he did. Yeah. Okay, good. So we'll I'll have to see American Pop, and then we'll do uh, Cool World. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure American Pop is always on Crackle. It seems to be constantly on there, so I'm sure it's there right now. Good. Yeah, no, and I have Crackle. I will definitely watch that. I will, I will do crack while watching crackle just to, just to fit that ambiance. <laughs> Sorry, I'm kidding. I don't want to lose my teeth. Here, everybody, let's uh, let's wrap up the episode. Jacob, uh, thank you very much again for another episode, and send us out. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Hey, everybody, hope you're all having a good time. Hope you all had a good time. I know I did. Namaste and good luck, my friends. All right, everybody. Good night. Lift off. Oh my god, what? What? What, Michael? It's our Did I get a, did I get a Batmobile? <laughs> awesome! I thought I was gonna get a Batmobile. Shit! Oh, uh, I kind of <laughs> crashed it, sorry. <laughs> I just, I just wanna see how fast it go around corners and try to use that little pivot thing and go up walls, and it doesn't go up walls. I got the version from the first movie, and it crashed. Oh, well that's the best one for- I love that one! That's my favorite! I, I know, it's everybody's favorite. favorite. Everybody loves that one. <laughs> Uh, although I did like the one from Batman Forever, that one was pretty cool too. Had a nice little flair to it. But yeah, no, honestly, that's the, that's the one Batman movie I can't hate by Joel Schumacher. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, we are off topic a little bit, but Jacob, can you believe yeah. we made it this far? It is a hundred episodes. Holy shit! I, holy fucking shit, a century practically. We're so old. <laughs> but we still look fucking awesome. I do a little debonair. I look absolutely fantastic. Hey, yeah, you know, that's how we do. We look, we just, it's all natural. Just like Jack LeMayne. <laughs> Alright, so, everybody, <laughs> it's funny that we mentioned this is the 100th episode. Uh, we were looking at some old posts that I did about two years ago. Where we'd only have been on, like, I think, what, episode 10 or 11? And I actually posted, I go, well, we've pretty much given up on Back in Tunes. It's not taken off. And all of a sudden, for some reason, the wrestling episode, the, the rock and wrestling episode started taking off. And I found a new way to pitch the cartoon out to people instead of just posting on my page. I know that Facebook wants me to pay for advertising. I've done it a few times. It's a fucking waste of time. Don't do uh. it. It's a big con job. And... 
So I started joining groups that had similar interests, you know, nerdy stuff, animation, yeah. stuff like that, and started sharing there. Every once in a blue moon, I'll run to someone and says, hey, this is spam, this is bullshit, get this off of here. And you know what, I'm, I'm pretty cool, I'll take it off. Uh, for the most part, the groups that I'm with right now are completely okay with it. So thank you, everybody that has been sharing, liking, supporting, uh, been guests on the show. We've had people who have discovered the show, and then uh, later they, they become guests, which is what we're going to be doing from now on with the show, is whenever me and Jacob aren't doing the show together, we're going to have guests come on and build the perfect Saturday morning playlist, which is uh, what we did the last two episodes about. Uh, I had my friend Ken Reed on. I did an episode. And Jacob, it is your turn to build the perfect Saturday morning. This list took me a long while. Thank you very much, Michael. And I mean, there were so many, there were a lot of like superhero cartoons that I grew up on, mainly like, you know, X-Men, Batman and all that. But I really had to like narrow it down because otherwise it'd been a whole nother fucking list. And uh, you know what? I did cheat. Up. Remember, I did <laughs> cheat. I went with, uh, you know, doing a pre-1980 and I figured, you know, eventually one day I'll do another episode where it's post-1980 but I figured, in the meantime, you're pretty much going to cover that ground from 1980 to now with animation. So uh, my the second half of mine will be much, much later. Um, so you're, I'm guessing yours is probably primarily, uh, you know, 80s, 90s, and now. Oh, yeah, pretty much what, what I grew up on, yeah. A lot of the stuff. I mean, it's there. I wanted to add a little bit of diversity, you know, especially, you know, some Warner Brothers cartoons, a few couple Disney ones, um, you know, the ones that you know a lot of comedies as well that were just like really wacky and out there and a few anime episodes too and computer generated as well nice you got a good mix All okay right. so let's start off our morning with uh your first cartoon uh my first cartoon i would have to say i would i was thinking of like you know what let's start off with comedy a little light-hearted let the kids laugh wake up or some stuff so i thought hey why not tiny tunes nice. i mean it's perfect That's, now let me ask i mean this. from watching uh, were you a very early riser for cartoons? Were you like a six o'clock in the morning kind of guy? Were you kind of like, oh, it's nine, no, it's not a school day. I can sleep in and then catch up on cartoons later. Uh, I was definitely a cartoon kid. I always wanted to wake up early so I can watch a brand new episode. I did that. I, I mean, at least until they stopped playing the thing. Then I'm like, whatever. I, I want to sleep. No, there's no Saturday morning left. True. I know. What the hell? I I honestly have to you know pick out a DVD or put put something on Netflix to get a Saturday morning cartoon show. It's sad. It is so, so sad. It uh, breaks my heart. These children will never enjoy a Saturday morning cartoon. The uh, the days. gentleman who was on the first episode of The Perfect Saturday Morning, Ken Reed, he told me that he literally has traded people uh, old VHS tapes with entire blocks of Saturday morning and converted them over to DVD, and he'll just watch those. Now, on Saturday mornings, he'll throw in a block, a six-hour block, and just do his work or whatever while watching cartoons. That's fucking awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> I wish I had that. <laughs> I know. I wish I could too. But yeah, I thought, yeah, why not go with Tiny Toons? I, especially when you watch that first episode, you know, it's talking about, you know, Warner Brothers trying to reach into the new generation, you know, showing off like a younger cast, you know, teenager, uh, you know, freshman characters, you know, 14 year old, you know, Buster Bunny and Babs Bunny. And how cool was that? Two multiple main characters, one male, one female. I liked her. I liked her first line. Uh, Babs Bunny, too. That just took me right there. She's like, hey, guys, it's the 90s. Get over it. I'm a girl bunny. <laughs> yes. Feminism for the win. Yeah, and if uh, everybody likes Tiny Toon Adventures, listen to our episode of, what was that, like two months ago we did an episode? It was huge. Very, very, it was huge. Uh, uh, I think uh, it's, it's probably huge. our second most popular episode. 
Uh, definitely check mm. that out. I think we did that. What, did we do Tiny Toons and Animaniacs? I'm trying to remember. I think we did. I think no. I think we did Animaniacs and something else. And Tiny Toons was blended with something else. All right. Uh, I could be wrong. I could be right. My brain is gone. I could be wrong. I could be right. I could be black. I could be white. Chill. <laughs> okay. But also, Tiny Toons. Yeah, it did kind of carry on that tradition of Looney Tunes. You know, bringing in like the old, old, uh, all the original Looney Tune characters like Bugs Bunny, Donald Duck. You know, introducing it to the new generation. Yeah. And also, it was showing how to create and develop story and characters from the first episode. You know, it's like give it a good setting. We need a supporting character. <laughs> That's where you know, Plucky Duck comes in. <laughs> well, it it uh, decrypts the whole concept. It uh, that's not the word I want to use. Um, deconstructs the entire uh, concept of how the animation show is done and finds the jokes in that. That's what Animaniacs did, too. Both those shows did very well of taking these cliches of animation and just break them down and uh, building up new storylines. Yeah, I couldn't help but notice the Ghostbusters theme in the background. You can I loved that. it. Yeah. Well, I'm playing, I'm playing a mixture of just uh, random cartoon intros and one. <laughs> I mean, it's too distracting. Maybe I should stop. I thought it'd be a fun... No, thing don't, don't, do. don't. Keep okay. it going. All right. Make it so, number one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, and then, then I thought, and then of course, um, uh, yeah. After Tiny Toons, of course, we bring in like another comedy. We bring in Animaniacs, produced by Steven Spielberg, no less. So he really had a huge hand in uh, '90s animation. Yeah, and if, this was like, yeah, if he hadn't, this was his like a tribute there, to. Uh, I don't oh. think that animation would have been as strong as it was during that era, like the revival of quality animation. That's exactly what I thought. I mean, God, he had his hands. Like, I kid you not. Every time I watched the Warner Brothers cartoon, except for like Batman, some of the superhero ones, Steven Spielberg presents. Steven Spielberg presents. This was one of the, I think, one of the hugest influences on me when it came to Steven Spielberg because he really had, he really had, you know, a love for imagination. And Animaniacs was, of course, kind of like um, a tribute to old Hollywood, especially with. Uh, I think the Animaniacs in particular were like based off slightly loosely off of the Marx Brothers. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. <laughs> wait, till you, wait till I get going. <laughs> uh, what is oh, after man. Animaniacs? Yeah. Um, okay. We're going to go a little, wa- uh, like I said, comedy. A little wackier. Uh, Eat the Cat. Ooh, we just did that Eat one, that. too. Yeah, we did. I know. Uh, I mean, especially knowing that it was by Savage Steve Holland, who did, of course, Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer. <laughs> and you have to see oh, this man. third movie. He did a trilogy of those teenage movies, and the third one is How I Got Into College, which most people haven't seen. It kind of got dumped by the studio and forced onto video, and uh, it's I think it's out of print. It's very hard to find, but it's really pretty good. It's not as good as like uh, the original two, but much better than anything he's putting out now. I'll have to look into it. I want to watch into it. You know, when we did... Okay, I know we're going to we get a little sidetracked here, but I wanted to say this about... Um, uh, one crazy summer. I can't believe I didn't mention the little fat boy story. That was like the funniest thing I've heard Bobcat Goldthwait say. Dude, we missed a lot Curtis. of stuff when we discussed. Uh, we forgot the mummy scene where the kids want to wrap him up so much and he's screaming down the road. <laughs> There's some really crazy stuff in there we totally forgot to do. Like, how about the landmine thing? Curtis Armstrong running through the landmine uh, area trying to grab shells. I know. <laughs> Not seashells, actual artillery shells used in, <laughs> by tanks and big guns. And then uh, after the Fat Boy story, he, Chris Armstrong asks him, Were you the little Fat Boy? He's like, No. And I used to go to him and I beat him beat the, and I go to him and shake him and he goes, Well, you're so fat. Well, you're so fat. 
And I bit the shot. The way he said that, you instantly, you cannot, you cannot help but laugh. You will fucking die of laughter after hearing oh that God, line. Yeah, if you are a fan of Eek the Cat, check out those movies by Savage Steve Holland. They are so good. Yeah, yeah. And Eek the Cat was, like, I like how it was consistent with all, you know, well, especially the first episode with the old lady, you know, because she thought Eek was her cat, and she switched him out for, like, this freaking strung out, you know, other skinny cat that just wanted to get out and do stuff and be left alone, not be... <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's a it's a bizarro I mean, cartoon. It's part of that world where uh, cartoons decided to go off the rails. Like anything was possible during that time. I know. I, that's what I liked about it too. It would just pretty much like break off every boundary. The only thing it didn't do was break the fourth wall and talk to the audience. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> and you know, and they also had a like wonderful cast of um, voice actors too. And surprisingly, Tony Katane was the girlfriend. The big fat pink cat. And if you don't know who Toddy Katane is, go watch Bachelor Party. Or a White Snake video. Here I go again on my own. And she's like all over that car. Or is this love? I don't think she's making that voice. It would be really unsexy if she was on the car. You sound like you sound like Bullwinkle if if his tongue got stung by a bee and he couldn't duck. What I'm actually doing... Uh, is uh, at the end of UHF... That's the loan's impression. <laughs> uh, at the end of UHF, they have, for some reason, they've run out of stuff to air for their... Have you seen UHF, by the way? Weird Al? Yes. Okay. I love UHF. <laughs> okay, at the end of the movie, when they're running out of people to have on the charity show to raise money to save the station, they just have two guys with sticks, and they're looking at this going... And they're like, oh, no, we got nobody left. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All because... What's the pull a oh, rabbit God. out of my hat? I can't, I can't do a bullwinkle. What's the... Hey, Rocky, why don't we pull a rabbit out of my hat? No, nope, that was awful. Ah, fuck off, bullwinkle. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, okay, as I was thinking, like, when a certain part of the block is done, like, in between, or in between every episode, you have, like, a little, you know, Disney Looney Tune uh, short. Yeah. Or rather, like, a, maybe a little behind-the-scenes kind of animation classic animation um i watched this uh one video of how they did alice in wonderland and what the actors would do they would get in this little set especially at the tea party and they would act out their parts and the animators would just look at the actors doing what they're doing playing their characters like you know mad hatter alice the hair and they would just you know come up with the characters based on their performances and draw them from that they would it was just i thought it was absolutely wonderful uh, I've never really seen anything like that these days. I cannot remember for the life of me, but there used to be these cartoon shorts being cartoons. Uh, it was like, uh, like uh, they made an album out of it too. They did a bunch of covers. It was like, how does a Congress bill get made? And uh, damn it, it was an album around '94. If anybody knows, let me know. It was. Um, they're always like kind of educational. It was like a two-minute animation bit. It was like a commercial, but. It was meant to tell you about something in like your your his, history or government or something like that. That's call me Bill. Yes, that's yeah. call yes. me Yes, what is Bill. that? What is that? What are those? Oh gosh, I remember uh, conjunction junction with your. Yes. Function. Oh my God, why, why is that escaping my mind? Shit, I'm just gonna look that up right now. Why, just keep talking. Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah, thank you, Schoolhouse Rock. So there's that. That's it. Um, they play those between. Or how about that one with the uh, cartoon little guy running around the the refrigerator going. Uh, hanker for a hunk of cheese. I don't remember the hunk okay, of cheese. He opens up, he's like, milk and oh. cheese and, you know, dairy products. 
I think I dropped ass yeah, that's it. before we started the episode. Now you say twice, come on, say it a third time. Get their amigos out of the mansion. They're all out. <laughs> oh, man. All right. What is but, this? yeah, also. I think we're so far off where we were. <laughs> I know. So, next, I thought I'd go into a little bit of, um, well, a little bit, like, uh, just two superhero cartoons, really, because I thought these ones were definitely, I think, the biggest and made the most impact on anything. Um, of course, X-Men, the animated series from the 90s. Yeah. I thought... Not only did you have a great group, uh, cast of characters, but the way it introduced itself through the uh, through the viewpoint of Jubilee was, um, especially like the younger audience of the kids, you know, it was uh, someone to relate with, you know, just, you know, getting into puberty, you know, just finding out you have powers and, you know, she feels like very neglected from her parents. So she decides to go to the mall and then we slowly get into the action and start to meet the other characters. We pretty much are introduced to the world of X-Men through her, through the new, fr- uh, to the new generation. Yeah, you know, they tried that and once before with, uh, they did a pilot episode where it's Firestar being the, the, the young character you're introducing that her into that world, and I think it got absorbed into the whole Spider-Man series, the Amazing Spider-Man and Friends. I can't, oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was part of it, but then, of course, they relaunched it later, and the more successful line is what you're talking about. You're talking about, like, the 1991-92 series. Exactly. That's the one I grew up. That's the one I remember watching. I mean, my parents would actually watch that with me, too, sometimes, early in the morning. And they actually liked the cartoon, too. They could get it. It was very, you know, it also had, you know, uh, some very big themes, especially like humanity's teaching, you know, with mutants, you know, being, you know, everybody feels threatened by them. They're they're hated. They're, what's the word I'm looking for? Not biased. Persecuted. But um, dis- persecuted and discriminated against. Yeah. And all they want to do is just live a life. Okay, Wolverine's, and, and of course, the way they portrayed Wolverine, you know, is like his cocky, usual self. Not the way you see him in the movies. At least, um... At least not the Hugh Jackman kind of Wolverine. But you do get to see him as kind of like this asshole who's willing to go over the line and beat the shit out of somebody who opens their mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I I don't think the animation holds up anymore. I think it's very of its time. But the storylines and the voice acting are very high quality. So that still holds. It's just sometimes you can look at a cartoon of that very specific time period. Very 91 to 95. True. It is. It's still great to watch. I love, like I said, I mean, I love looking at it. Especially all the old costumes, the retro ones, which actually do show up at the end of X-Men Apocalypse. Which I still have not seen. I was kind of holding off because the reviews weren't very strong. How did you feel about that? Fuck the reviews. I thought it held up very well. Okay, okay. Actually. Cool. Uh, what is? I after... really like watching it. Well, is, is it done with that trilogy oh. or is there something after? They, do they set it up for another movie? Uh, yes, there's a scene at the end of the credits. I can't spoil it for you. Oh, no, don't spoil it. I was just curious if that was the end of the trilogy or they're doing spinoffs or what they're doing. I think there might be a spin- There might be something else. There might be another movie afterwards. Yeah, they're talking about uh, You just wait until you see. I will. Yeah, wait until you see it. What is After um, X-Men? After X-Men is, of course, for me, like the biggest, uh, I think, and one of the best cartoons and best interpretations of my favorite DC Comics character. Batman the Animated Series. Definitely. Oh, now, this is what, another one. I know. This is another one my parents watched with me. Like, this is where you get to, you know, kind of, you know, find out about more of the characters of the Batman world. Also, great voice performances by Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill. And I keep forgetting the Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Yeah, yeah. I think is the guy's name. He played Alfred. And then you got Adrian Barbeau as Catwoman. They would always have, like, special, uh, there's also uh, special uh, guest appearances, too. You also had the voice of Rachel Ghoul. He was voiced by David. Oh, he was Dillinger in Tron. Oh shit! Uh, 
I just watched the David Warner. David Warner, thank you. David Warner. Yeah, Warner, there it is. That, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the ticket. Uh, Nico's right in the mansion. Every time you do that voice, I can't help myself from doing that. No, um, I'm always thinking of Beetlejuice, like well, when a, uh, oh. Lydia guesses his name. Nice fucking model. Honk, honk. Say it! <laughs> We've come for your dog, Chuck. I can't believe it. Uh, yeah, no. I actually, I thought that didn't make my list, although it was a close number 13. <laughs> uh, what were we, the, um, the, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Peter Vincent, uh, shit, why am I thinking of Freedom all of a sudden? Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell. Yes, he was the voice of Matt. Yes, he's, he's excellent. Uh, uh, you know, he's, I can't believe I forgot his name. I mean, he's one of my favorite actors. I do this. Okay, so everybody, if you don't know the drinking game, you better know it now because we're on 100 episodes. So the rules are, if I go off on a tangent that goes on forever to the point where I end up not knowing where I'm going, like you find myself just stumbling over my own words, take a drink. If Jacob says yes, <laughs> then immediately says no after that, take a drink. If... Rob Paulson is involved in the cartoon. Take a drink. But if Frank Welker is involved, you got to chug that. And you're going to be drunk pretty much with every cartoon. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, your, your liver will already be dead. And if uh, <laughs> Nicolas Cage somehow makes an appearance on any of our episodes, you're doomed. You're, I don't know what. what we should, just take a shot. Not a drink. Not a, not a drink of beer. Not a chug. You're going to have to go get some whiskey or some scotch and chug that. Uh, just slam it down. Yeah. No worries. Honestly, um, well, Nick Nicholas is he's he's a little off right now. He thinks he's a vampire. Oh, so really? If you ever hear him shouting in the background, if you hear any shouting or screaming in the background, I'm a vampire. <laughs> then do not be alarmed. Just just hold on to the fact that you're still sane. Just be thankful you're still sane. <laughs> okay, what do we have right. after Batman? Which uh, we've discussed, but it is. Wait, did you and I discuss Batman the animated series? We did, right? Not Batman Beyond. I did that with someone else. Uh, listen to we us. did discuss Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, if you listen to that episode and the Superman episode before that, you'll just basically hear 40 minutes of us drooling. We're just basically slopping on the knob of Batman and Bruce Timm. Basically, Bruce Timm is responsible for our fanboy frenzy. Oh, for sure. I know. Uh, honestly, I wish they would kind of bring Bruce Timm in for like some of the DC movies, but they brought in Jeff Johns and that other guy who pretty much oversee all the DC movies, what which is guy? great. Who's the other guy? I forget his name. Okay, it's. Sam. But I know Kent. Sam. I know Kent Hill was the one who uh, posted about it. Uh, you know, I've been watching The Flash. I, I I don't have streaming, and I barely have cable as it is. I just watched all of season one of The Flash, and I have to say that I cried twice in the season finale, and I cannot wait for season two. Well, okay, when you see season two, you're gonna be you're gonna lose your shit. Oh. I cannot tell you uh, what direction they're gonna go with season three, but this is before my friend even told me. I knew right at the finale what kind of storyline they were gonna go with. But I will not tell you. I will say nothing. I'm not that kind of friend. Okay. I'm not good. that asshole. All right. So how about what kind of asshole are you? I'm the kind who will like you know jokingly be blunt to your face. <laughs> I guess right. that works. But right. yeah. What's well, after Batman? I decided to go with like a blend of like superhero and comedy, and I thought you know what, lighten up, lighten it up a bit, especially after watching you know two serious cartoons. But, you know, kind of like, you know, bring back a little comedy. So I thought, why not go with Freakazoid? Oh, yes. You're still in the superhero <laughs> realm. You know, you're still you got one foot there. Yes. But you have one foot in classic, like, Looney Tunes, bonkers kind of thing going on. Exactly. While also having, you know, superpowers and some silly shit. I mean, the whole concept, honestly, like, the whole concept I thought was just absolutely wonderful. The jokes were very smart. They were very catchy and witty. And, again, 
his antics, though, of, dri- of driving his enemies insane, not using his superpowers, but just driving them crazy. I- I'm pretty sure, like, it- it's, I think even Joker would be like, what the fuck do I do with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and it's another one of those Warner Brothers deconstruction of a genre, and this one, I think, works better than Animaniacs and Tiny Toons put together. Freakazoid never really got discovered. Uh, I remember watching on primetime, Warner Brothers had uh, a lot of faith in this cartoon. They premiered, uh, I think it was Hinking the Brain and Freakazoid, fall of 95. And this is the fall that I went to college. And me and my roommate were big like supporters of anything on the WB. Because we like the stations that are weird, that will offer you something that no one else will. And I remember just every Sunday yeah. just plopping down and watching those two shows back to back. When they got canceled, I was really bummed. I know. It, it happens, I know. Warner Brothers just doesn't want to put up the money for it. Especially, I think, that year. No, wait. I don't think so. No, because Warner Brothers made a fuckload of money with Batman Forever in the 95 year. Right, right. But I think uh, a lot of other movies... No, wait, no. That was. I think that was a couple years later when they had that huge bomb. That's when they canceled uh, the Superman movie. Yeah, it was uh, 97 is when Batman and Robin came out and stunk up the joint. So yeah, Superman got canceled. The next Batman got canceled. I think the Batman the Animated Series got canceled and then they retooled everything a year and a half later for batman beyond oh yeah oh god that was a huge huge cartoon i always wanted to come home from school i taped almost every episode of that all right so what do we have after like it was that awesome uh i thought freakazoid maybe go with a little bit of an anime block show something different and i've shown like three of three of my favorite tops uh top uh Ugh, anime cartoons. Two of them are like robot ones. One of them's um, complete awesome action that always stays with me. I even I even bought like the latest game of it. That's how much I love it. What, what is <laughs> Plus it? it was like seventy percent off. Okay, um, the first one I wanted to show. Start with an older one. Uh, Robotech, of course. Okay. Which okay. I'm kind of excited for the movie. Yeah, you know, I thought show something like that. Like deals with like you know aliens from outer space plus advanced technology, giant robots. A blend, basically. Somewhat of a Star Trek philosophical kind of touch to it. Yeah, you know, these aliens from, like, you know. You and I did this uh, last summer. We discussed Robotech. And I remember years and years before this, every time Robotech would come up, I'd be like, oh, I've never seen that. And I would get this look, like, of confusion. Not of, like, insulting, like, you just don't know good cartoons. Like, wait, you like sci-fi. You like animation. You like robots. How have you not seen this? And it wasn't until you exactly. and I did the episode that finally got into it, and it's really good. The entire show is on Crackle. If you guys have Crackle, watch it. I highly recommend it. And a lot of stuff's crack, on Crackle. Go get help. Ghostbusters. Seriously, go, go see a doctor, get off that crack. But stay on the Crackle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've also thought about doing Crystal Myth, and I thought, nah, better know what. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I thought we'd start with that. I mean, it pretty much this event of this alien ship crashing on, like crashing onto Earth, is what you you know brought the entire world together because everybody was at war with each other. It was a, it was a global war. Nobody's really picking sides, and then there was you know mercenary mercenary pilots just you know flying for the highest bidder until one day, giant robot ship comes along, crashes onto an island. They build a city around it. They discover its technology. And everybody's prosperous and happy. And just as about their launch, all of a sudden they're going to get invaded by the aliens who owned that ship. Yeah, it's, it's a clever concept because and, I think it's going to go in one direction and it completely flips over and turns into something else. Yeah, I know. And I love how it had that transformation vibe too with, you know, the pilots going into their, you know, going into their uh, Veritech machines, which are the giant robots. They have like three different modes. There's airplane for speed and 
button reconnaissance. And then they go into this like little, you know, giant robot mode with a cannon. And then there's like a hybrid guardian mode where they can just like click and, you know, pretty much like rescue civilians, drop them down while uh, maintaining their speed. It, like I said, it's a great concept. I really, I really hope it does get like a little bit of a remake before the movie comes out. That way everybody can get familiar with it. Yeah. Are, this movie, I can't then again, that's what they're doing this, with Crackle. Is this going to be live action or is this uh, fully animated? I think I don't know. I think it might be live action. That'd be awesome. If it was going to be animated, they could bring the old cast back. I know Cam Clark would be down. He played uh, the blue-haired character Max. He was one of uh, Rick's uh, co-pilots. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I have to look that up. But it seems like nowadays they're going to try to do a live action version of it because that's what's what's possible with CGI now. There's not a lot of mature cartoons out there. It's all like these comedy, uh, you know, family-oriented stuff. It'd be nice if we got some PG-13 or R-rated animation. Yeah, I know, like the good old days, like with Fire and Ice or Heavy Metal. Yeah. Right. What is after Robotech? Again, um, Gundam Wing. Now, we this have not is, of course, this my one. favorite. I've never very... seen this one before. Oh, it's um, like I said, it takes place like. Years and years and years at the original Gundam cartoon. It was, it was like, like brought around in like the early '90s. It was my favorite variation of it. Uh, it you know it was about like five different pilots. They all piloted a specific mobile suit, a giant robot. Uh, they're all called Gundams, and <clears throat> basically, you know, the colonies and uh, Earth are supposed to be at peace. There's a little bit of tension, and Oh, gosh. It, it's a very big plot. It kind of changes over time. First, it's about these, you know, five pilots working for a certain organization that wants revenge against Oz Corporation. No, no, not Oz Corporation. Oz Foundation for <clears throat> for what they did to uh, uh, this ambassador named uh, Hiro Yui. He was to, you know, unite the colonies and the Earth Sphere Alliance until he gets assassinated. And, of course, it happened to be secretly Oz. And not the Wizard of this, no, no, not the Wizard of Oz, because he wouldn't do mean stuff like that. Yeah, he was a little bit of a trickster and a con man, but he wouldn't do that. But yeah, I love, I just love the uh, character diversity. Like one of the main characters, he he's named after you know the ambassador named Hiro Yui. He he's like a complete enigma. You don't really know anything about him. He's very cold. He's very calculated. He will do whatever it takes to get the job done. And you know. <clears throat> He is like the first Gundam pilot you encounter through the eyes of uh, one of the prote- one of the antagonists, uh, Zex Marquis, and he's like he's of course um, wearing a mask. You don't know what he really looks like. He's one of the top ranking commanders in Oz, and um, yeah, that's actually what happens in Gundam. Like the uh, antagonist always wears like a mask. Hmm. Like between... that's like the GI Joe rule. Always... You ever notice most of the villains wear a mask? Yeah, but Gundam was uh, way before GI Joe though. Was it? Oh, okay. I believe so. Yeah. Huh. It looked like it was. Someone out there I'll have like, to look it up again. Like, no, that's not right. It's 1979. G.I. Joe came out many years afterwards. Who's this idiot you're talking to? Me. <laughs> I'm the idiot. Yeah. I kind of went into but, a um, Yeah. Nip it in the bud, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I just, like I said, there's a lot of great diverse characters. There's like, okay, so there's Hero, there's Duo, uh, Troa. Katra and Wu Fei. They all have different ethical backgrounds. Like I said, very diverse. They eventually all come together, completing the same objective. It goes from like you know about taking out Oz to defeating this certain organization. All sorts of twists and turns. Wonderful development. I and then it also got a. It's it also got a sequel uh, as a movie though, 
called uh, Endless Waltz. And the design, like I said, the design and the animation was just, I think, flawless and wonderful. That's a strange name. That doesn't sound like an animation subtitle. Or, what do you call them? Oh. You know, the piece after the main title. Yeah, oh, Gundam Wing, Endless Waltz. Yeah, it's kind of an oddball name. I don't know, yeah, but it does make sense. I would highly recommend you watch, you definitely watch this show, Michael. Yeah, you know what's funny is in the background, you're going to hear, like we're saying, the cartoon intros are just randomly playing like a playlist. I'm watching the intro for Bionic 6, and I'm like, shit, I want to go watch Bionic 6 again. (laughs) We did that last summer, and I was like, oh, that's right, that was really good. Well, Bionic 6 can wait, damn it. Wait till I'm done with my show. All right, what's next? (laughs) Okay, so I was thinking, let, um, of course, another anime movie. Which was uh, one of my favorite ones. Uh, Dragon Ball Z. I have never seen that either. I've seen the movie. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've never seen the show. Ew. Yeah, no, the movie was just god-awful. I mean, if you want to... Okay, before you watch Dragon Ball Z, you've got to watch the original Dragon Ball. It was about a young kid um, protecting this little orb, which was from his grandfather, who was dead. And this girl, uh, this girl Bulma, wants it because it's, it's one of seven that, when put together... Summon a dragon that can grant, can grant you one wish. And so they go on through this mystical journey, meeting all sorts of characters. Um, like, it's just full of fun, adventure, action. And you can't help but, you know, like Goku, because he's just, he's just, he's, he's, he's awesome. He's badass. He's the central character. And um, he's loosely based off the Chinese mythical figure, uh, the Monkey King. Oh, you know, he rides on a flight. He can yeah, he rides on a flying cloud. He has a um, a staff that can extend to pretty much almost any length, and uh, yeah, he also has a tail. He is part monkey. That sounds fun. I but yeah, watch that. So was the movie nothing like the cartoon? Fuck no. <laughs> Good God. Actually... I mean, Justin Chatwin. He looked like he looks. He kind. He does like resemble Goku. He has that pointed chin. Yeah. And they did get try to get his hairstyle right, but it was not like Dragon Ball at. Oh, they said they were staying true to the source material. I'm like, what source material were you fucking reading, man? You know what? I'm actually friends <laughs> with the writer of that movie, Ben Ramsey. Uh, he had done the big hit with Mark Wahlberg and um, uh, Blood and Bone. Excellent martial arts movie. So he took this on. And he said he apologized actually like a month ago online saying, uh, you know what? I just needed the paycheck. I apologize to the fans. I just needed the money. So I wrote the script. So I can't fault him for that. And it takes a lot of balls to apologize for a movie. Oh, especially for one like that, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to hear. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, when it came to writing the script, I'm sure he was, like, trying to stay true to the cartoon, but studios were like, no, do this, do that, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, who knows what hand right. comes. Well, the studio is showing that American audiences uh, aren't going to be open to this kind of concept. We need to water it down, make it more accessible for international audiences, and all sound like Lauren Michaels. The Japanese would have loved it if you stayed true to it, that's for sure. The international audience would have, too, because I'm sure they know it, too, yeah, as well. Yeah, uh, people in America, they tend not to understand how international mm. audiences work. Like, look at a lot of the movies now that are bombing America, but they're massive overseas. Uh, you got uh, The Gods of Egypt, which didn't make a dime here. But overseas, it made, like, $150 million. Uh, Pacific Rim, massive hit overseas, not so much here. What's the one that just came out that is uh, just insane hit? You know, just Warcraft. Warcraft, yeah, it's not doing very well here at all, but it's already made four hundred million worldwide, and and people have to pay attention to the international audience now because they're bringing in more cash, especially in China. They're really bringing in cash in China, whereas in America, we oh still yeah, have, like unless it's a Marvel movie, we don't seem to care. Yeah, I know. I I, I just it's just so uh, it just doesn't really make much sense to me. I mean, as far as like the whole love for Marvel. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, for me, it's like, we get it. 
we do want to see the next movie, but I'm more pumped for DC than I am Marvel. I'm not really hating it. I just, I want something a little different. Yeah, I, that's why I but went and anyway. saw the nice guys. I went and saw the nice guys, and it was a, a refreshing change of pace for me. I'll have to look. I'll still have to watch oh, that. So nice. I still have not watched it. It's so nice. Uh, what is after Dragon yeah. Ball? Uh, actually, I wanted to discuss Dragon Ball Z a little bit more, what that was. Yeah, go ahead. Proceed. Yeah. Dragon Ball Z, it takes, it takes place after Dragon Ball. You know, Goku's grown up. He has a son. You know, he's married with Chi-Chi, who was a character he met in Dragon Ball. Now, does and Chi-Chi it, the same Chi-Chi as in Mexico? No, no, but that is pretty ridiculous. I thought that was pretty funny too. There is an entire chain of restaurants throughout the Midwest, uh, Great Lakes area, called Chi Chi's. And I ran in once with my friends, and I screamed out, "Chi Chi's means tits!" And I ran out laughing. And I'm sure that some kid just learned that for the first time. He's like, "Mom, what are tits?" What are... <sighs> I was a rotten shit. It's, it's 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 what I fed you with, okay? <laughs> Right, go ahead. But yeah, Sorry. okay, so... Gigi. Yeah, so basically, this show continues on after that, but it does get a little bit more sci... Like, a little more uh, interplanetary and scientific. Because you find out Goku, he's actually from another planet. No Like, because his grandfather found him... Yes, grandfather found him in a spaceship. And then, you know, he tried to raise him, but Goku was a little wild child, tearing stuff up. And then he hits his head and kind of doesn't remember who or what he's supposed to do. And so, and so, yeah, you meet Goku's brother, who's a total asshole and a villain, and um, his former enemy, Piccolo, is now becomes his ally. Weird. Oh, excuse me. Oh, is there an yeah. alligator in your room? <laughs> no, 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 it's just uh, Nicolas Cage is uh, gassed. He's turning to a werewolf, <laughs> isn't he? He's gone from vampire to werewolf. No, he's still a vampire. He just, you know, I slipped a little bit of garlic in the pizza he ate, so oh, he just wanted him to shut yeah, his mouth. Yes, indeed. All right, and then, like I said, you get to meet more new characters, more villains. It really, it really gets expansive and full of awesome, like karate action. I could not help but con- uh, continue to watch it. And then, um, but yeah, I would highly recommend it. It still goes on. I, mm, I'm still playing the video game, the one that just came out. Wow. Well, it didn't come out. Well, I just bought it. It didn't just come out, but oh, yeah, it's say, still it, a lot of fun. Well, it's still, character. they're still going with the games, but I guess it has such a huge following. Why not? Oh, I know. I don't. Uh, as far as a live action movie, I don't. Th- it's gonna be. I don't think they're gonna make one for like no, no, no. ever because of the disaster. Anyway, so after Dragon Ball Z, I decided to I'm go with like. Um, I'm not yelling at you. I was yelling at you. If I was yelling at you, Michael, you know. <laughs> Are you? You know right away. You're the lowest on the totem pole here, Michael. The lowest. <laughs> Do you realize that? <laughs> <laughs> that? All right. So anyway, next is um, I wanted to go with the uh, computer-generated cartoons. I only got two of them. And the first one I wanted to start off with, based off of classic, Transformers Beast Wars. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. I, you know, it was a great, you know, it being Transformers, them turning into animals, very different from the original. The main character's name is Optimus Primal. The Transformers were dying on the vine, and Beast Wars came out and changed the whole format. All of a sudden, everybody's talking about it. I mean, we were college kids, and everybody's like, it's 7 o'clock in the morning, I know I'm hungover, but I'm getting up to watch Beast Wars. That's going to cure my hangover. Fuck yeah. (laughs) I know. Again, another great cast of characters, very diverse animals. Optimus Primal being a giant gorilla. Um, And then there was, of course, there was also Cheetah, 
Oh, he was a cheetah, but I can't remember his name. There was Rat Trap. There was a. Uh... They also had. A, I think they had a few. <laughs> I think that they had a few classic characters. Um, of course, Megatron. He was a T Rex. You know, pretty much all the good guys, all the the auto the uh, the Maximals were the Autobots, and the Predacons were the Decepticons. Yeah, that's I mean, right. I totally forgot They both that. sound similar. You know what's funny is there yeah, was one time pretty... uh, I, was work, I was at a comic book shop. Uh, Dark Horse has a comic book shop across the store they own called Things from Another World. And my friend Tony was working there at the time, and he was trying to close up, you know, do all the paperwork, count the money, but the store is still open. And there's a guy in there who won't shut the fuck up. Kind of like I, how I don't shut the fuck up sometimes. But this is really just rambling, yeah. rambling, rambling. And Tony's trying so hard to concentrate. And then I'm like, I'll step in and save the day. And I'm like... Really, tell me more about Beast Wars, because I remember watching it, but I can't remember much. And Tony shoots me this look like, oh, God, you've opened Pandora's box. Uh, run now. Run now before it's too late. And it was too late. It was so, like, a half hour, and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, all right. What have I done? Yes. What have I done, Lord? I'll take a bowl yeah. for a friend any day. Yeah. And I really liked how, like, the, you know, all the, um, the main characters were all the nice cooler animals and the enemies were like the sinister animals and you know of course dinosaurs yeah except for um of course later on dinobot who was a raptor ends up becoming a good guy and from then on he kind of became my favorite character i even got the action even had the action figure of him and optimus primal yeah you know that's a oh my god i've been discussing off and on for the last couple of years to do uh especially since i don't think that our transformer and G.I. Joe episodes went that well uh, a couple years ago. It was when I was basically homeless, living in a hotel with a shitty connection. I was severely depressed. We actually did those episodes twice, remember? We recorded them at your house, and I accidentally erased them, like, the next day. Yeah. We had to do Mega Man over again, too. That's right. <laughs> and it just it wasn't the same the second time around. And I've been wanting to go back to it, so I think we should... Definitely put Beast Wars on the plate somewhere, and maybe the 1990 reboot of G.I. Joe, uh, which took place a few years afterwards, where Sergeant Slaughter was one of the main characters. You know, we should discuss those. Yes. G.I. Joe Extreme, yeah. I thought was well, the one that no, was rebooted. Well, no, it wasn't G.I. Joe Extreme. It was uh, the 1990 series. It wasn't done by Marvel. It was done by Deep. Uh, it lasted two seasons. Oh. G.I. Joe Extreme, I think, was in 96 or 98. And there's oh, wow. Savage. I remember that one. But, oh, uh, yeah. Sergeant Savage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we should discuss those something. Beast Wars, definitely worth checking out. And um, I, it still has such a strong following. I think people want it to come back. Oh, I don't doubt that. That would be pretty awesome. Just as long as Michael Bay doesn't touch it. No, never. Get away from it, Michael Bay. Fuck you, Michael Bay. Fuck you in the eye with my penis. I will castrate you and gouge out your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Megatron would say that to him if he were to visit Universal oh, Studios. You fucked Stop up my me. movie. Ah. I don't know how to do Starscream's voice. It's really high pitched. Thank you. If I sprinkle my voice like this, I'm probably gonna go pass out. Now I'm gonna fall asleep on the mic. <laughs> you sound like Shaggy from Scooby Doo hitting puberty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is uh, what is after uh, Beast Wars? Um. Okay. I think. I, have I gone through my list? I think I have. What's the whole? I think thing? I'm on the last cartoon of my list. Mm-hmm. Well, I. Okay. So I think like at the end of it, I decided to go with. Okay, I'm going to add one more. You know what? Screw it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, you said two so I, CGI cartoons. You said Beast Wars. You didn't say the second one. Oh, shit. No, I was wrong. Oh, you're right. Sorry, my bad. Okay, the second one. Um, something that I thought was very relevant, considering, you know, about the 90s were coming along, you know, everybody's, you know, getting into the computer age. Uh, reboot. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that the one. one. That was a big hit for us. People love Reboot. Yeah. I know. It was a great... I mean, anybody who grew up in the 90s would know this cartoon. I mean, it was. I thought it was, like, very cool-looking, very different. The whole digital world concept kind of based off of a... Yeah, that and Johnny Quest were the ones who were, like, bringing that into the uh, aspects and imagination of young kids. It, it, you could definitely tell it was influenced by Tron. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cannot deny that. And, um, yeah, you know, it felt like, you know, this Bob that's, like, overseer... You know, he was like this particular program who watched over, you know, the whole net, basically didn't let anything bad happen. And then, of course, there were two other characters. There was Dot and her little brother, Enzo. And I loved how, you know, they would go out on these little funny adventures, you know, taking out the, the villain Megabyte who tried to infect and destroy the net. And then, of course, I loved, I think one of my favorite parts was like um, the, the, uh, game, the game blocks that would smash down onto a certain sector. And they'd have to beat. They'd have to go in and beat the user. Definitely. And it would be based off of a, yeah. And then um, I like how. Oh, of course, yes. They pretty much praised, but at the same time hated the user during a game. (laughs) But and um, I really liked how like the game segments they would go into were like based off of uh, you know, certain like classic movies and certain genres. Like you know, there was there would be an adventure here. There would be, um, you know like Star Wars-based kind of like space-flying video game. Then there was one that was a horror aspect, and the user played a character that looked like Ash from Evil Dead. Oh. You just... <laughs> I know, yeah, they were zombies, and they had to beat the user. I, it was, I thought it was awesome. I'm like, okay, that's definitely an Evil Dead reference. All right, I love these guys. <laughs> but yeah. And that's coming back, right? I, and Reboot? I think it's being... Oh, uh, no, Evil Dead, yeah. No, 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 Reboot. I think it's being launched. Uh, they're remaking it. Get the fuck out of here. I'm pretty sure that we were discussing that last year when they were doing the, we did the reboot episode that they were talking about doing, uh, like Mainframe didn't own the rights anymore. Someone else had picked up the rights and they were going to relaunch it. Oh yeah, that's the name of the world they were in, Mainframe. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I can't wait. Oh gosh. Do you think it'll, do you think it's going to be some kind of like alternate, alternate kind of Mainframe and it's going to kind of have like a certain episode where they uh, warp into another world and it's the old Mainframe? Well, like old Bob and all them. Yeah, that's what people like these days. Uh, when there is a previous version existing, I don't think the fans want you to completely reboot it, like remake it. What is the difference between reboot and remake? We've been talking about this. I feel like a remake is where you take something that already existed and you reconfigure it. Like you're just basically taking certain elements of it and copying it over. Whereas a reboot is you still um, the original still exists in one way or another. It's either relaunching that title or you're taking bits and pieces of it and bringing it into this new world. Like, um, I'm trying to think, like the Stargate, or not Stargate, Star Trek. Uh, there was that alternate reality where uh, Spock was played by Leonard Nimoy, but then they opened up another way of continuing it with a whole new cast. That I would consider like a Zachary reboot Kinto because and all them. what we've seen before still kind of exists. It does, yes. It's an alternate world. It, I mean, because in the first movie, those Romans went back into the past and they, you know, killed George Kirk. And then they destroy planet Vulcan. Yeah, it's, it seems like that's the difference between a remake and a reboot. And then there's relaunch. Relaunch seems like something that um, maybe it ended, but they want to bring it back like the way they did with uh, 24. Uh, 24, Prison Break, how they're bringing those back, X-Files. Yeah. Those are uh, different, relaunch. Yeah, exactly. That's just like what they did with, um, oh gosh, what did they relaunch? Boy Meets World. Or Girl Not Meets 20, World. Fuller House. Fuller House. The Fresh Princess of Bel Air. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Son of Parker Lewis oh, can't gosh. lose. 
Oh my god, that would be great. Married with so grandchildren. Oh god. <laughs> oh yeah, like reunion specials. That's pretty much what they are. Basically, but yeah. continuing those reunions. All right. Oh, so yeah. you know, we're talking about animation. Um, do you think you know how sometimes we cover movies throughout our episodes? Do you think yeah. that discussing Tron and Last Starfighter are legitimate because there's so much animation in them? Yes, especially Tron. Yeah, because I was thinking like, about I, that. De- I mean. I mean, Who Framed Roger Rabbit would I mean, technically count as a worthy discussion. Oh, hell yeah. Show, yet, it's only partially animated. So, therefore, I would say that if animation is a heavy focus of it, Cool World definitely counts as something we should discuss. Yeah, like I said, Roger, yeah, as you just mentioned, Roger Rabbit, you know, it was like a blend of live action and animation. So, I think that is definitely worthy of discussion. Yeah, we... Uh, or Cool World. And Cool World. Yeah, definitely Cool World. Uh, how about, um, what's the other one with the animated, uh, Monkey Bone. Monkey Bone has a ton of animation in it, too. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I love Monkey Bone. I don't care what anyone else said. I love Harry Selleck's little idea of, you know, you know the claymation stop motion with the live action. Oh, man. I, I, that and I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Um, so is that the end of your list? Have we wrapped it up? Nope, there's one more. What's it's the last yeah. one? It's a Disney one, of course. It's it's a theme song that you can't help but sing along to it, and it's I, I th- you probably might have to play it in the background what as I'm discussing it. Ducktales. Ducktales. It already played earlier, so someone caught that. Woo! Oh! Ducktales is so popular <laughs> that the relaunch of the game was a huge seller. Um, you know, the cartoon's coming back, but I, I don't know anybody between, like, 45 and 25 that doesn't understand uh, how awesome it would be to dive into that pool of coins, like under Uncle Scrooge. Uh, did I say it right? Uncle Scrooge? Yeah. Um, diving into that, you know, in reality, you break yeah, Uncle Scrooge. Bone. Yeah, you break every Scrooge bone in your dog. body as you land, but in animation, who cares? Those laws, okay, those laws do not count. It's just like in a video game, you know, when you jump from a really high height. Oh, like, in some games you get hurt, but most games, no, you're fine. I it ain't shit. See, I want to see one it's game just, where he just, jumps just, off and doesn't... his shins just shoot straight out of his leg, blood and bone. <laughs> game over. Uh, no, the, the HD remake was great. They brought the old, yeah. <laughs> no, but the HD remake was great. They brought back the old uh, the entire old cast. They all sounded very top-notch. Bill, of course, you can tell Scrooge, is a, he was in his 90s before he passed. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah. It was just absolutely. It just captured every bit of the cartoon and the original game that made it so special. It just you can't help but get nostalgic and just remember, oh, animation car- cartoons back in my day, and all, the, and all the wonderful adventures. Dude, I realized how yeah. old I was. Plus, today. I mean, as I said, I think we're overlapping again. Uh, I'm gonna say one. You say one. 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 Holy shit! That's huge. <laughs> I did, that on did you do that on purpose? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I realized today that I was old because whenever someone refers to a MILF, I'm like, oh shit, they're they're my age or maybe a little bit younger. Oh my god, I'm old. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just a general term for anybody who's a mother and just yeah, very attractive. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Plus, it was, like I said, it was just lighthearted. It was fun. Nobody died. There were a bunch of goofy, uh, oddball villains like the... Um, those dog brothers, I can't remember their names. They are uh, criminals. Flegal brothers? The the Flegal brothers. Those that was an. What? The witch. 
You know, the one who uh, oh, wanted Scrooge's dime because he thought it was a magical tar- charm. Was it Cruella something, or am I thinking of 101 Dalmatians? Cruella? Yeah, you're thinking of 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, right. Cruella DeVille. And then there's, um, of course, uh, Mc- then there was uh, Macduff, the one who always wants to be richer than Scrooge and, like, always one-up him, even it, it, no ma- any means necessary, even hiring the Beagle Boys. While we're discussing this, they're in the background, they're playing the Bugs Bunny show, but in German, and it looks like a snuff film, like a grindhouse version of animation. It's creepy. I'm looking away. Ew. I expected a dead body. And we just chopped off Speedy Gonzalez's head. We're going to eat it now. No. Yeah, no. It's going to go on your cheeseburgers, kids. Speaking of, uh, you know, well, we're wrapping up the list here and everything. Thank you, Jacob, for sharing your list. Yeah. Uh, um, we're going to have guests throughout the next couple years bringing in their list of their perfect Saturday morning. Uh, let us know what you want uh, us to cover in the show. If there's some shows that me and Jacob haven't discussed yet, uh, we're totally going to do that. If you want to be a guest on the show for the perfect Saturday morning, uh, direct message us on Back in Tunes on Facebook. And I think we're going to finally discuss The Tick and Earthworm Jim on the next episode. Yes! Oh my gosh, I can't wait to discuss the tick. Although, I'm going to have to catch up. I have not watched those in a long, yeah, long time. I completely forgot. Um, I feel stupid. The one thing that's going to change with the show is the simple fact that uh, two and a half years ago, you and I started this podcast. Uh, we had three shows going. Uh, the one where we did movie commentary tracks was ridiculous. I don't know what the fuck we're thinking. That would take like an entire night. Every episode took us like three and a half hours. It was crazy. And no one really wanted to sit there for an hour and a half and listen to us talk about one movie, uh, especially since we weren't involved. Um, you, you killed it during the RoboCop 2 episode. You just absolutely nailed that one on the head. Oh, no. Hey, I needed to. Especially Hob. I wish I nailed him on the head. Little shit. <laughs> uh, then we did Retro Rocket Entertainment, which was uh, like an hour-long show. Where we gathered a bunch of different topics and kind of discussed them, like the anniversary of this movie. You know, the album release of this was 20 years ago. We discuss what's going on in the news, yeah. the entertainment news, uh, what's going on in our world, what pisses us off. Remember what pisses us off? We had to edit it out because you oh, said God. something about your coworkers. I'm like, are you looking to get fired? <laughs> yeah, I know, because I was really pissed off. Well, that's what happens when you work in retail. I know, it's, <laughs> it makes you insane. Uh, but that show, we I... loved doing. It wasn't very popular. It had a very small cult following. We brought it back last summer for three episodes. It still did only okay. Not enough for me to focus my attention on it. But uh, you and I were discussing, we love doing it, so we are going to take the entertainment news chunk of it, get rid of everything else, we don't need the anniversary stuff, you can say that for something else, or what pisses us off, uh, just save that one little chunk, and we're going to put it in the middle of Back in Tunes. So we'll discuss one cartoon, yeah. we'll do the entertainment news, and some of it will be animation-oriented, it'll be video game-oriented, comic book, movie, stuff like that. And then we'll do our second cartoon. And maybe one day we'll throw a skit in again. We tried that last year for about six episodes. We did sketches. Uh, both of us are working like crazy hours now. Um, so it's it's hard for us to get together and write a sketch and rehearse it and play it out. Uh, I said rehearse it like we actually rehearsed. We, we, we improv most of those. <laughs> the one where I had the fart button, I'm yeah. just making shit up as I'm just pushing the fart button as you're trying not to laugh. Yeah, I know. I'm like, fuck. Shut up, damn it, Michael. I would kill you. If I looked at you, I would have died of laughter. I would have been like, fuck, we can't do this, you <laughs> asshole. We, we, imagine, could we have lasted if we were on Saturday Night Live? No. No. No way. We would totally have been the Jimmy Fallon's and Horatio Sands of that show. Oh, God, no. Spe- okay, I do want to say this. 
Ryan Gosling cracked bad when Kate McKinnon was doing her little um, sketch when they were uh, being interviewed by the CIA, and she was just like one lady. But <laughs> it was regarding their uh, alien abduction, and everyone's talking about being in this beautiful light and wrapped in warmth and joy. She's like, "What? I was in a cold room, no, with no pants. All the aliens were looking at my suit, suit and they were all just taking turns, just flipping, just like taking my taking their hands and just flacking one of my boobs." I remember that sketch. <laughs> Ryan Gosling. Oh, God. Ryan Gosling was cracking bad. He could not hold it together. <laughs> so that is the direction oh of the God. show that we have going. Uh, we're going to throw the entertainment news in there. Uh, and we're going to try to, you know, at some point we have to discuss the big one. We have to discuss Looney Tunes. Maybe we'll pick two characters oh, per episode. You know, like we did. You remember we did the uh, Disney one where we thought Mickey sucked. We thought uh, Pluto was boring. And we just said, well, Goofy's funny and Donald Duck is funny. Let's just discuss those. We'll probably do that with Looney Tunes within the next couple months. We'll just pick uh, a couple characters we like, and then we'll kind of do those sporadically throughout the year. Um, did you really think we were going to make it this far? I Honestly, I wasn't really sure. No, I don't think we could have. I was a little doubtful. But hey, man, regardless, I still have a lot of, I still have a lot of fun doing it. Yes. You stuck it's... with me so many like crazy situations. Uh you remember we moved from my studio to the garage at my sister's house where it was like 150 degrees. We couldn't turn on the air conditioning. Uh, there is one episode we recorded that uh, you can hear it in the background. Wah, 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 uh, Hey, everybody. It's starting <laughs> to rain here. I live in Oregon. Oregon is a nonstop urine fest. It just The world is peeing on my head, and it, it makes a lot of sound here. Uh, yeah, we, we recorded in a very hot room where if we turn on the air conditioning, it would just go wah, 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 wah in the background. And uh, there was that time that I had the mental breakdown from stress, and I started like almost crying in front of you, and you're like, do you want to stop recording? I'm like, no, it's real, man. It's authentic. It was a little... Hold up. All right, cool. Um, I'm good. Thanks. Anyway, sorry about that. That's okay. Do we need to wrap it up? I think it's going to start raining heavily. But um, we'll continue this discussion on another episode uh, about the crazy things we've gone through. But, Jacob, you stuck with me through some insane shit over the last few years. And uh, uh, thank you, man. Thank you so much. Uh, hey, man. No, thank thanks for bringing for me a part into this. You got a friend in me. <laughs> <laughs> Disney, fuck off. Don't, come on. Anybody, you can't really own that one little phrase. I mean, no, it's, no. it's all those words are in the dictionary. <laughs> uh, if you like Plus, how we... You know what? What, what? You know what? Honestly, I will say fuck you to Disney. Because they didn't. They aren't doing shit with Tron 3. No. So I'm them. still mad about that. So mad. Oh, and one oh, more oh, thing. Oh, Pirate 7? Fuck you. Get us the Tron 3. Finish the story. Okay, and one more thing. Huh? You know when we did like the anniversaries? Yeah. I... I did like discussing the one about Doc Ellis, because uh, there were times we would talk about sports. Yeah. We were and, talking um, about Doc Ellis before yeah, anybody we ta- else was talking about Doc Ellis. Yeah, no. Like, June 12th, 1970, he threw a no-hitter on acid. Crazy. Like, how the... <laughs> I know. On my birthday, no less. <laughs> uh, I guess the rain's done, so we'll finish this up real quickly. Uh, then, of course, I was in a hotel, homeless, and we thought the show was going to be done, because I had no idea what I was going to do for a while. Uh, we actually took a two-month hiatus, and I rerun all the shows. That's when they really started to find an audience. And then by the time I uh, was planted, I had a job in surveillance, uh, things were good, is both of us were so exhausted because we're both working so much. So we had some guests come in here and there to fill in to do episodes. And I, I appreciate all uh, Ron and Tony for sitting in. But basically for the last year and a half, you and I have pretty much done every episode together. So. Oh, for sure, man. 
It's just like Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel on the Man Show. It's yeah, it's weird. When it's I like having a guest every once in a while. It kind of mixes it up, but I always feel like I'm cheating on yeah. you. Like I'm just like, man, we're we're partners, and I'm sorry, I strayed. Yeah, and then I and then I go all trailer trash. Be like, Michael, you lying sack of shit. <laughs> How could you do this to me? <laughs> Every now and then I get a little bit terrified. I see the fucking look in your eyes. Maybe I'm weak. I'm sorry. <laughs> Every now and then I fall apart. And I, <laughs> I need you now more than ever. <laughs> total eclipse of the heart. We sing. We sing in our shows a lot. And it turns out I'm completely tone deaf when I try to sing like rock and roll style. <clears throat> but if it's just like, you know, you know, if I'm just like crooner, kind of just deep bass, whoa, who God, what is it? Whoa, absolutely nothing. I can do that. <laughs> Though my voice is getting kind of hard, uh, hoarse from talking for the last hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all good, kid. It's all good. Yeah, let's just let's just wrap that shit up. Like, it's just like okay, just play the Oscars uh, theme in the background. And be like, oh shit, I want to thank this and that, <laughs> and this and that. And that. Thank you. Good night. Rap, rap, rap. I'll take you. Um, yes, we sing a lot. We're silly, silly people. And uh, if you like what we do here, but you want to hear us discuss movies, sometimes there's another podcast that we do called Video Night. Uh, it was created by me and my friend Andrew, but Andrew has a lot of art projects, so it takes him away for a while. So uh, you sit in on a regular basis, and we do more mainstream stuff, whereas me and Andrew kind of do the independent, like the smaller movies that don't get a lot of attention. But you and I like discussing the big movies. Like right now we're going through the movies of 1986 and kind of like discussing the anniversary and why they were so pivotal. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, we did pretty much nailed it with Ferris Bueller, especially... Uh, the fourth wall break. That's pretty much what you know. Othello, that was that was that was definitely like a technique from Othello. Yeah. Um, speaking of Andrew, uh, he did the theme song for our show. It's short. It's sweet. And maybe we should send it out on that. What do you think, Jacob? Indeed. But don't forget. All right. But all right. So everybody, thank you all. It was wonderful to talk to you all. Have a good night. Namaste and good luck, Michael. What do you usually say? I say be excellent to each other and keep watching those cartoons. Keep it alive! Keep it alive! Back in two.